At Atari, our game cartridges undergo grueling tests. We put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar up against Atari Basketball. Oh, man, what a move. We let Mario Andretti test drive Atari Night Driver. This game really cracks me up. And the great Pele himself tested Pele's championship soccer. What a gig, it beats me again. At Atari, we take our game seriously, so you have more fun. How'd you do, Kareem? Glad I won't face Atari in the playoffs. <laughs> no other video game company stacks up to Atari. We're back again. We're always back. Do we ever leave, though? You know, That's the question. When they turn us off, <laughs> we're, just, we're just waiting there. You know, it's kind of like we, we it's, it's like um, some kind of paradox. Or yeah. Some it's like that Star Trek episode where Moriarty walks out of the holodeck and then he's, he's there for a minute and then he starts to disappear. He's like, what's happening to me? It's like, that's us. It's like the cat in the box, whatever that one is, where it's like. Is it dead or alive? You don't know until you open the box. So while the box is closed, it's both dead and alive. I never heard that. That's a weird paradigm. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those. It's like it's one of those tree falls in the woods. Yeah, it's one of those. Like it's a little more dark. If it, is it <laughs> well, dead or alive? Si- there's some scientific experiment where I don't know. I don't remember the details of it. There's some like it was Which like that means there's was, like a control group, and then there's a group of live cats in boxes, and then there's a, there's a box of dead cats. <laughs> it was like something where he, I don't know if you. Something, something to do with they put the cat in a box, and I don't know if he put like poison or whatever, and he's trying to decide. That's a tor- terrible. If the, if the, I don't know. It's for some Does reason, anybody out there know what I'm talking? About? <laughs> anybody at all? Is anybody listening to us? <laughs> and it was something to do with like, with as, like as the with the box closed, you don't know. That's so the so he's both dead and alive at the same time because of the unknown. Yeah, yeah. You don't know what it could it could be anything. And I guess you could substitute anything into that, like you know. So when you're not coffin. when you're not listening to this podcast, are, are we, we are we podcasting or are we not podcasting? Are we alive or are we dead? <laughs> or are we alive in your head? Um, that seemed like that was a really weird thing in the old days. I um, getting rid of cats and kittens and like bags and throwing them into rivers and stuff. You know. Oh yeah, I mean you can get rid of anything in a bag in a river. It's so weird. <laughs> I mean, there's even an, there's a there's a Tom and Jerry episode which I, I I bought one of those box sets and the, and some of them have like the B sides which are like the racist ones now with the blackface and all that and one of them is like um some dude it's like the, a, the racist years yeah yeah, yeah Tom yeah. and Jerry the, the racist, racist years where they have they have like a big woman running around it's like you know she's like the maid in the house and she's kind of like Aunt Jemima and she's like you get over here and it's very like you know like. Very racist, you know. Yeah. With, with let's just let's just, let's just leave it at that. Let's just leave it at yeah. it's very you know, Let's let's leave it at that. They don't really let's re-air them it, on TV let's anymore. Let's not get too many impressions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, any kind of epithets. Um, but one of the box set is the, uh, uh, you know, it's like a stormy night and there's like a, a a big sedan going over a bridge and then it like it's, you know it's raining out and then like something gets thrown into the river and it goes down the river and for some reason Jerry's out and Jerry hears it and he goes and saves it. And it's a little kitten in a. Uh, in a, in a bag and it's like whoa so he takes him inside and that becomes the episode I don't know if it's like Jerry's trying to help the kitten out and he's hiding it from Tom it's one of those you know MacGuffins that get the episode going you know yeah apparently there was a big uh, you know get rid of kittens in long uh, there was a big uh, too many cats around yeah, back in the so, <laughs> so they throw him in the river of all things to do um, this is a really um, uh, 
awkward segue because it has nothing to do with what I'm going to, but it has something to do with what we're doing today. Um, welcome to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. I'm uh, Dion Baia. And I'm Jay Blake. But you can call me Blake. Yes, Blake, Jay Blake. Uh, and we're here tonight to entertain you in various Hopefully. ways. Yeah. It's, That's the goal, anyway. This is our road show, our vaudeville act. We're going from town to town. So, and you can't see, but I'm doing jazz hands. <laughs> Blake's seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the beautiful. 2D. Yeah. Thank right. you. So, um, uh, a couple days ago, I go, there is a library, a book sale at a library in my town, okay. and they're getting rid of all their books. So, uh, I go to the library sale. I'm like, me at a library sale. It's crazy. I, buy, I, try to, I, I was trying to be very disciplined, but I'm buying a lot. And uh, going through, and like paperbacks are 50 cents, and I come across, um, there's a paperback of um, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. And I think I own it, but I can't remember. I'm like, hey, it's 50 cents. Why not get it? And in it, I notice there's an envelope that's sealed. And I'm like, well, what the hell is Does this? Does have a treasure map? <laughs> well, so I buy the thing. The old lady luckily doesn't look into the book. And I was like, that, I'm buying that too. But she doesn't look inside the envelope. So I buy a bunch of books. I get home. And then my wife's like, you're going to open it? I'm like, I don't know. It's weird. I'm like, what? That like, it's sealed? It's sealed. It's sealed in there. And you can kind of see through it. If you hold it up to the light, and you can kind of see there's a, you know, someone wrote in marker. And it almost looks like one of those kidnap notes. <laughs> It's so a, I'm like, it's like the you know the magazine letters. Yeah, yeah they're all cut out, you know. So I'm thinking, it never got to its destination. Well, yeah, and I'm and, and I'm thinking this could be anything. This is the beginning of a movie where it could have poison in it. It could have a ransom note, and it. it could have like you know your kids. You you, open it up, and like a puff of smoke comes. Yeah, out. and then I'm like dead in, a, in less than a week. You know, where it's like one of those things where it's like Dirty Harry. You know, she has oxygen until three a.m. I'm like, what is it? <laughs> How old is this letter? So my wife's like, you're gonna open it. I was like, ah, uh, okay. So she gets me to open it. I open it, and it's. It's a small envelope, you know. It's like the one you send a letter, and it's not like a, a proper um, uh, for like a you know a long one. Yeah, yeah, like a card or something. Yeah, it's a card envelope, you know, like a small one like that. So I open it up, take it out, and it's a note in it. And uh, I open it up, and it's Ted, this girl Nikki, and the note starts saying like it's quoting so it's funny it's like you know i like big butts and i cannot lie and he, he does like a like a <laughs> nice yeah, like a, a little, sentence or two sir yeah and he does some sir mix a lot and then he stops and he's like he, i'm paraphrasing because i didn't bring the note with me and he says like ha i don't know if i got all those lyrics right he's like but i just want to say happy birthday it was great going to the comedy club with you um i had a really good time i hope you did and then he's like, it sucks that we don't get to see each other as much as we'd like to. You know, uh, I know we can't really talk before, like, chemistry class. He's like, but I want you to know you're really cool. And, uh, I, you know, I really like you and hope all is well, blah, blah, blah. And I'll see you soon. And it's signed Riley. And it's all handwritten. You know, nice, like, high school. It's in, like, green pen. Yeah. So it's, like, high school writing. And in it is $20. Now, the books, I, all these books, that, on a side note, I spent 40 bucks on, like, you know, two dozen books so it's like i got my money's back already but it's like i feel bad spending that 20 and as well it's is a newer it dated did you see no, what the date of no the 20 it's, is? Uh, it's one of the newer 20s someone oh. told me that last night i should check the 20 but it's not new like the ones that just came out like within yeah. a year or two it's the ones when they changed over like in 2001 or two or three right, i mean it's you know? makes a lot quote i know that's what that, i'm saying that, that could really like 90 91 <laughs> that's what i'm trying to think i mean, of, that, like, I mean sir mix a lot was like mid 90s yeah yeah, 90, yeah you're right probably i'm thinking of like um young mc so it's yeah probably like early to mid 90s but then with 20 in there you know it's probably got to be past after 2000 but as well as the 20 is so like you know it's folded it's been there for a while and then i'm thinking like this is so sad this uh, Nikki never got 
Riley's note. And it's like, you know, there's no way to kind of like source it. There's no, like you said, there's no date. I'm in Westchester. So for all I know, it could be someone, you know, it could have been grandma's attic and, you know, who knows what it was. So it's like, it just, it's like, oh, wow, it's so unsettling. And then I'm like, I don't know what to do with the 20. Is it bad karma to go spend it? Should I buy lotto tickets with it? Should I donate it? You know, it's like, all right. So what I did was I just put everything back into the book and I put it on bookshelf. <laughs> it's going to leave the you know? 20 for a rainy day. Yeah, but so it's it's so weird. Case it's of like, emergency. You know, that poor, you know, if maybe if Nikki got Riley's note, you know, that things could have been different. Well, we don't you know? know. I mean, maybe things worked out. Let's hope. But that means Nikki never got that note of him thanking him thanking her for the comedy club and the birthday fun. So this obviously you can extrapolate that this kid likes Nikki. Riley likes Nikki, uh-huh. and he's trying to like you know, hey, I'm he's into her and he gives her twenty dollars for her birthday. Thank you very much. But that never. So he must have given it back. I'm thinking in the uh, one food the cuckoo's nest book, maybe because they had to read it for class, and then she never bothered either. She didn't see the envelope, or she never bothered to open the envelope. And then it was, for whatever reason, was given away to this library. And then after how long, they're like, you know, giving it away in a book sale. Which means I don't even think it was one of their books to lend. Maybe it was just it was a donated book. And they're like, oh, we'll keep this for the book sale because we already have one. So that just happened to me. And the reason why I bring it up is because this, today's cast is about, you know, um, coincidentally, it's about a book, you know. <laughs> it's about a, about a stolen book. Yeah, exactly. And then, like I'm, like, I'm stealing this kid's note. And then, you know, and then you can't really track it down because, you know, I could say I have... You know, Nick, you could say, yeah, they want the 20 bucks. So, you know, it's like. Well, I'd like to think that, you know, it worked out anyway. It's for Nicky and Riley. Let's hope Riley didn't put it in. So, well, you didn't get my note? Yeah, bitch, come on. <laughs> Don't you see I love you? Kid, you know I love you. I love you so much. <laughs> I, want you to I love you. Look what you're making me do to you. <laughs> Look what you made me do. And, and she's dead in the bathtub. It's like, it turns into a maniac, Joe Spinell. <laughs> Mommy. Look what you did, mommy. <laughs> I did this for you. Wake up, right? Not Riley. Wake up, Nikki. Wake up. I was kidding. Jesus, we're devolving already. <laughs> I was kidding. And that was that was the first one. He could be a freaking thrill killer now. Yeah. You imagine if you find it. You're going through the books. You find another envelope from oh. Riley. <laughs> Riley to somebody else to like to like uh, Lorraine or something. Lorraine, cut why to, aren't you cut, cut to you at like at the library in the yeah. microfiche? Yeah. <laughs> 1999, uh, you know, Nikki Smith has been killed. His body was found. And then it's like, Lorraine, it's like, oh, my God, I keep finding you. That's a good movie. It's like, you know, you're. it's almost like those, what's the Keanu Reeves movie where he's, like, leaving a note in the mailbox and then she's finding it, like, two decades oh, yeah, later. You know, it's like one of them where it's like, I'm investigating the crime anew, but it's old. We'll work on that. Yeah. yeah. Be, uh, that just, I, I got all winded. <laughs> I'm sweating already. Uh, good night, folks. Yeah, good night, folks. We'll see you soon. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, here we are. It's um, it's spring. Um, we got we're, we're this is we're kind of pseudo celebrating our fiftieth uh, podcast. This is kind of landing on our fiftieth episode, which is Ish. a milestone for us. You know? Yeah, we've done fifty of these mothers. These mothers. We have, it's a tough call because we've been we've released the the old sidecasts. Which uh, last week we were we did the you released the Dick Smith one, but then we also did a couple of uh, two weeks ago. Because after oh, that, yeah, the Smoking yeah, yeah. the Bandit, and then couple after of, that, a couple of like, weeks ago, yeah. But then uh, we did some uh, new ones. But like, yeah, but that's what I mean. Is like we have the old ones, but then we also did a couple of new ones. So it's hard to pinpoint like, yeah, where what, do we celebrate? And yeah, and what you know, what's an official? Are we just are we just counting the these casts we're doing about movies, or are we? 
putting in the new cast side cast or the old reruns of the old side cast, which are new for the oh, artists. The new, the new side cast count. It's, it's old, confusing. Yeah. So we're like, this is we're going <laughs> to say this is fiftieth ish. Happy fiftieth ish. Ish. And uh, that's another reason why we kind of picked this movie, too, because this is like, hey, it's an epic movie. It's, it's smack dead in the middle of the 80s. Uh, this is fun. This is our childhood. This is probably a lot of our listeners' childhood. Um, we're going to try to make sense out of this convoluted mess that this oh, is. I don't know if it's so convoluted. Well, it's not a mess either. It's very meta. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like it's very much a... We're going to yeah. get a little meta with you today. It's like, a, like um, Zen. You know, it's one of these uh, Eastern kind of like uh, meta. That's... <laughs> Um, so we're here tonight in uh, Blake's um, basement. Uh, yeah, we came over my house today. Yeah, and we're near the heater again. So if you hear the uh, <laughs> the water heater go on and go off, yeah. Um, and we're doing uh, 1984's um, Never Ending Story. The Never Ending Story by Wolfgang Peterson. Uh, Wolf- Wolfgang. Yeah, Wolfgang Peterson. A lot of German names are the credits of this bad boy because they're almost all German. <laughs> Heinz, Heinz, they're all German. The most expensive German movie. West German movie. Uh, it was the most expensive movie in the world uh, outside of the U.S. and the USSR at the yes. time that it was made. Yeah, which is which is saying a lot. And uh, they put a whole bunch of crap into this movie. This this uh, movie ended up costing them a good penny, and they got their money back. But then there was a lot of other things going on now. And, and it's, I, it's interesting from a business point of view because it was because they, they put so much money into it. Yeah, that that's the reason why they kind of did it. You know, like an English version with American actors, because they're like, if we're ever going to make this money back, we're going to bring it over to. The we need States. to be a hit, in or, the or as well as I guess English speaking <clears throat> countries. Yeah, so yeah. Like, if we're ever going to fucking make money on this thing, we need to be like somewhat of a hit in, uh, in America, basically. And prior to this, the the top grossing or uh, top um, costing movie in Germany or West Germany was Wolfgang's Das Boot, which was a couple years before of the World War Two about the U boats with. Um, uh, Proctor, Jurgen Proc now, Proc now from uh, you know people like from uh, what is his face uh, Hutter, Hutter Sutter Kane Sutter Kane from In the Mouth of Madness and uh, uh, among and other many things. other things. Yeah, so um, this is also and in, the Keep and the Keep. He's in Michael Mann's <laughs> The Keep, which are if our, our returning <laughs> listeners, which is a will recurring, know, yeah, will know about our our, uh, our exploits in Michael Mann's realm, and then of all movie, Michael Mann movies, The Keep, which is like a very much forgotten um, film of his. Um, this is also very fascinating because. For me, when I watch this movie, I haven't seen this movie in what thirty years, probably. Maybe even I know, more. probably. Man. You know, it's but I man. saw it, when I saw it, I saw the shit out of it. I saw it, and I know it well from yeah, when yeah. I saw it. And uh, the theme song for this movie is like you can just get stuck in your head. And I think it's such a great theme song. It's a great soundtrack, but it's so odd to think now that we're talking about the English version versus the German version. That the German version doesn't have this pop soundtrack. Yeah, it has just the original classical uh, score, and they never injected any of the techno synthesizer '80s elements that we know and we kind of love. Because you know, I can't. This is such. As soon as you hear that song, you it, it, it you just associate it with Never Ending Story, and uh, that's one of the things I love about the movies. Like right when that movie started, like you hear like. That's that theme song, and it's almost like what we're talking about with podcasting, and, and like, are we there? Or are we not there? It's like you just hear that volume going up, like you know, and it's like it's always there, and it's like it's always a cycle. Turn around, you know. Yeah, the score, the the original score, uh, was written by a German guy who was known for jazz, but he did some film scores. Klaus Daldinger. Klaus Daldinger. 
But uh, like you said, like that version, the German version of the movie doesn't have the pop song, <clears throat> and then some of like the techno pop elements in yeah. it. And Klaus from the jazz group Passport, if anybody knows that jazz group out there. And uh, but the those elements, those pop elements in that song, were added by uh, Giorgio Moroder. Yeah. Broder. with lyrics by uh, Keith uh, Forsey and performed by uh, Lamile. <laughs> we can never pronounce Lim that. Lim Howell. He was the lead singer of Kajagugu. Yeah, and uh, Beth Anderson as well. And a little bit of uh, Saturday Night Movie uh, sleepover trivia. Keith Forsey, who wrote the lyrics to this, wrote the lyrics for Don't You Come on, Forget About, about Me. me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. It's so funny. Well, then, but see, it's like this is such a classic. I can't think of this movie without this song. And it's like, you know, even if you like it or you don't like it, like it gets in your head and you're sitting there like tapping your foot. You know, it's interesting because this happens a lot, especially when we look at like the 70s and being like a horror fan and being very into like the band Goblin. This idea of like European versions or releases of the movie having a different soundtrack or different score than you know other parts of the world are american versions i can see goblin because like dawn of the dead yeah i can see it with goblin goblin who uh is um uh, a dara argento kind of related uh yeah band they were a progressive rock band in the 70s italian and they did a lot of italian scores for especially for uh, dara argento and then they scored uh romero's dawn of the dead which is like 76 or 77 that film release but they but there was it's an instance where like his original cut doesn't have any of their music. Yeah, but when he then there's an Italian cut that ha- that's all completely scored. That by Dario cut. The, yeah, the, the film cut, and, <clears> and then, then eventually the soundtrack. And then eventually we have Rom- Romero. Another version comes out with a kind of a combination. Now I can too. see that because some of that is just for the most part it's like background music. You yeah. know, it's like real synthesizer, scary shit. Where this thing is to me, this song is the soundtrack is just as integral to the movie as yeah. the. So it's so weird and to divorce lot, and, the two. And a lot of the. You know? But a lot of like the really familiar score parts are the are the German score. Well, they're saying a it's lot of the techno stuff and like the synthesizer bits aren't. You yeah. know, like so this a lot of that which I was feeling like very eighties, it was really cool sounding, very much like It's a hard to pinpoint synth- exactly what they're talking about though, yeah. because in preparation I watched this hour long German documentary. Yeah, we yeah, we yeah, we watched that <laughs> together and that was about and when they show clips from the movie it has yeah, that, that, like a kind of a, you know, it has like the score stuff, but some of it sounds like very 80s kind of poppy. So it's hard to pinpoint exactly, besides the theme song, what uh, this this other guy, Giorgio Marauder, wrote and for it. Since we're speaking about the theme songs and since we brought up um, the um, Breakfast Club song, how that was released, and that was very popular, this song was released... And uh, it, as a single in 84, and it peaked to number four on the UK singles chart. It was number six on the US uh, adult contemporary chart. And it was 17 on the t- top Billboard uh, Hot 100. So this did pretty yeah, well. And then it's substantially, if you go look, it's been covered by a bunch of people. And there's a lot of now like um, uh, references to it and stuff like that. You know, there's even a 1994 Italian house music group called clubhouse they released a, a part of it with featuring carl and funny enough the other day before you know we had planned on, we, we had agreed that we were going to do this movie but it was a couple of days ago agreed. before we got together to do it i was watching something on like like the roku box and so like you know how like when you watch something on those 
you know, those streaming things. They'll just, like, insert commercials yeah, to, to kind of pay for it if you're going to watch it for free. And there was something I was watching that was just playing, like, back-to-back-to-back Spotify commercials. Yeah. And one of the Spotify commercials was was a guy. I don't know if it was the actual guy that plays Altreyu. Oh, uh, um, Atreyu was played by... Uh, but it was a guy with, like, a Noel beard. Noel Hathaway. It was a guy with, like, a beard and long hair. Like, fake. Like... You know, like, it's been a long time since you saw Atreyu. Uh, like, Ride in Falcor. And he's, and it was like... Well, then, you know, the... the, the and the, the song was playing, and he's like... I, and the, the whole idea of the commercial was like, you know, like, remember this song? It's still playing here at Spotify. See? And it's like, it's still going forever. It's like an affinity kind of a thing. Um, it And the... Uh, I know the, the, the kid who played... Um, uh, Bastion, which when I was little I thought it was Sebastian, but his yeah, his yeah. full name is um, Bastion, uh, Bastion Bo- Balthazar Bucks. Books in the in the the book uh, we'll, we'll, that we'll talk about in a minute, the original source material. But uh, his real name Barrett Oliver, who had a, a, a really modest career in in the eighties. He's in oh, Daryl. He's in Cloak and modest. Dagger. I mean, it was you know. pretty successful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. That's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was it was pretty good. Uh, he nowadays has a big beard. He's like kind of like living yeah, like yeah. one of those Alaskan like a photographer. Now you know, he kind of looks to me like you know he's made a crap load of money. He's like living away like off the grid. So maybe that was him in that and commercial. His teens, he became like a Scientologist, and then like past that he became like a specialist a photographer that specializes in uh doing photography like with the technology and the way you would do it like in the 1900s i mean the 1800s oh like, with like the plates like 19th the... century <laughs> yeah yeah and he's he's released like a book ab- about it or his art and his art has been in museums and such that's interesting because um right before um seymour uh, hoffman What's his face? Whole name? Yeah, Philip. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right before he died, he was at Con, and they they had someone there taking those kind of pictures, and that's like you know people say like it's very strange, but that's one of the last pictures of him is one of those seventeenth or I'm sorry, turn of the century yeah, yeah. Victorian era kind of photos, and he kind of looks like you know he's doesn't look well they said and like that, but it's in that style, so maybe that was him. Also, on a related note, um, what's his face from Willy Wonka, uh, the the TV. Mike What's, TV. Mike TV. That's what he does now. He's a photographer, and he kind of like organizes these little get-togethers uh, for the celebrities to come and like uh, com- conventions, and then he takes the the pictures for everybody, which is weird. You know, if you want to pay to get a, you know, you can't just take your own. He wants to take it for you for fifteen yeah, yeah. or twenty bucks. <laughs> you know, and that's a kind of I guess a, his yeah, little niche. You know, business. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I hadn't seen this movie in in uh, thirty five years, thirty four years, thirty years, and another. Uh, I'm f- chock full of stories today. Another weird story about how fate in life is. When I was very little, you know, like in you know five six, my father, um, you know, he worked on the railroad, like I said before. So he was like, "Hey, we're gonna go visit a friend of mine that works on the railroad." And we lived in Connecticut in the time in New Haven. He's like, "We're gonna go to the Bronx or, or and, and visit uh, a friend of mine who lives there." So he brought you know my mom and my you know my sister and us. We went to to this fa- this guy's house and his family was there. So you know the parents are talking. I'm with the kid and the, the, that day we're uh, you know they live in an apartment building and I couldn't remember if it was Brooklyn, the Bronx, but it was in New York. And we watched Never Ending Story and it was it was the weirdest thing in the world. That's probably like for me the last time I remember watching it. And we had a fun day. We watched Never story it was very scary so i've always associated like the beginning of the movie of bastion running around after those bullies to be new york city which it isn't now when you rewatch it but that's i was always you know where we were it looked like that was the setting for the for the uh story so later on cut to 2004 we graduated from college and I, i was still living in connecticut and a friend of mine was like hey you know you you work in the city your commute's very long on the train every day why don't you 
uh, moved to Yonkers, you know, we'll share a place. I have the, the kids Irish, and we were going to move to an Irish part on the Yonkers woodlawn border at the top of the Bronx. He's like, you know, my relatives are here. It's a very Irish neighborhood. Why don't we move here? And I was like, okay. So I got the apartment with him. I lived with him for like a year. He moved out. You moved in with me, and that was like what two thousand five to six ish. Yeah, somewhere around that. So come to find out how small a world is, my dad's friend Carl, that the the building the building we went to go watch and we visited that day is across the street. It's if, if you know, in the apartment building we lived in, if you if you come out, take a right, we go down to the bottom, and that's McLean Avenue, it's across the street. Stone, you can literally take a, uh, your, you know, a baseball and you can throw it and hit it. And it's just like how weird that is in life where, the, you know, that could have been anywhere in the city. And we end up living, you know, right there. And it's like, you know, <laughs> you know we went on the, we, we had a barbecue on the, on the so roof. That's where you watched uh, yeah, never the movie story. over the last time. And it's just like, it's so weird how, you know, it's just, just how small the world really is when it's really not, so. All right, good night, folks. We'll see right. you soon. <laughs> see you later. It was a good cast. Yeah, it was really good. Good cast. Real, real, um, they're real knowledgeable about our personal <laughs> lives now. Great. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is um, this is a, a, it's one of these movies where it's it's eighties PG. It's right before you get PG thirteen for like um, either Gremlins or Temple of Doom. So like children PG at this time is like you get like you know labyrinth. It's also based on a German story, and those uh, German Germans stories can get kind of weird. Tin drum. That, I mean, that's not a kid story, but yeah. uh, that's what well, there was like of mine. A, there was an off Broadway play going on in New York uh, a few years ago with a backed by a band who's kind of like a weird popular like Brechtian like avant-garde band called uh, the Tiger Lilies, but there were they, they, there was this musical called uh shock-headed peter mm-hmm. and it was a it was like this very bizarre musical where they took like a book of german fairy tales and did them in like this as like a this weird like play musical yeah and i mean it was really awesome i mean i don't know if this i don't know if this play ever comes back around or it's revived like i totally recommend it it was awesome but uh it just goes to show you, like, I mean, it's very much like those grim fairy tales, but, like, they're really out there. Yeah, they're really darker. <laughs> like, taking up to a new level. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know, that German sensibility. And, of course, I mean, that's where we get the horror of film. Yeah, know, yeah, with, yeah. You know, which we've talked about in a lot of casts, including uh, the one that we, we bring up a lot, which Mad Love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, them, yeah. Right there, but... Uh, with the German expressionism stuff. So. That directly relates into our American horror of the, the 30s and stuff. And you're right. I mean, there's a, a musician I love, Tom Waits, and he did two or three plays, one in 1990, The Black Rider, and then he did two that ended up getting released at the same time, CD in 2002, called Alice and Blood Money. And they're all German plays he did. He went to Germany and he performed these. Well, Alice is, is about... Um, uh, Lewis Carroll and his obsession with Alice that he ended up writing because uh, that's a true story with yeah. this Lewis Carroll the author he was a math teacher and he became obsessed with this little girl Alice and then uh, he ended up like marrying the mom or some weird shit to just get to her and then he ended up writing like you know uh, Alice in Wonderland and all that so it's like the, the play and the album are kind of about his weird obsession this middle aged ma- math teacher about yeah. this girl and the family and then he did another one which is uh, called Blood Money, which was about that really famous, you know, the uh, the Wolitzer, Wolcher, the soldier story where the soldier comes back home where he st- and we watched it in class like a Fassbender or what's the German? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Wojciech. Wolch- yeah, yeah, it's based off of that, you know. So these, some of these stories are, which, you know. It was a Herzog. Yeah, Herzog. Yeah. Bruno S. Yeah, yeah, and it's 
uh, and it's getting to like how you know weird these like we watch a lot of those Herzog movies and like they're they're they have some really weird like the fantastical like we said with Tin yeah. Drum and uh, Herzog who weren't a Herzog for people commercially may know he just did that movie with Christian Bale which was completely unlike him. But it's that one where the plane goes behind enemy oh, yeah. lines. But she had made a documentary called Little Dieter Needs to Fly, I think. Is, and then he made a, a narrative movie starring Christian Bale, who played Dieter. It was like that story it's of a that true guy. story of a guy who, like, he So he had made plane. a documentary, and then he made a narrative yeah. movie about that. The and then he's guy. also the guy who uh, maybe 10 years ago did the documentary about the people in Alaska who were going to the same camp. And Grizzly Man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. The Grizzly Man one, and then they, they were killed because they came at the wrong time, and it wasn't the Grizzly Spoiler name. alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, and uh, he did a lot of other, you know, like Fitzcarraldo. There's a lot of famous ones. Well, he, he I mean, he, he acts just, and stuff, too. He was in that, uh, he was in that Tom Cruise movie a couple years ago where Tom Cruise is just like a badass and just beats the crap out of people. It's Reacher? Yeah. He's, a, he's like the bad guy in that movie. Really? Herzog? Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, he's one of my favorite people of all time. I know so. you love him. And he's got that that great documentary called My Best Fiend, which is about him and his relationship with the great actor Klaus Kinski. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're getting in the weeds a little bit, but he had a very tumultuous relationship with. He's German. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's all very. <laughs> it, it, and it, I mean, so it's relevant. Yeah, it's all it's a weird. You know, Herzog is you know he did he did Fitzcarraldo he did the, the, he did the remake of Nosferatu with Klaus Kinski and Klaus Kinski's in a lot of his movies. I mean, and then he goes out on the weird like that even Dwarf started out small. Oh, yeah, that was early. That you was know, one of his earlier movies. They they get really abstract. And we had a German cinema class where we saw all these and Fassbender and all these really you know the the actor Bruno S and I mean, we're getting very esoteric, but it's just these weird kind of stories. And then like I said, I kind of like uh, I think it's the late seventies they did. Tin Drum, which is an adaptation of a very famous book of theirs, which is a straight narrative that you can get anywhere. I mean, it used to be in video stores, and it's on Netflix, and it's, it's, a, it's a German movie with subtitles, but it's a very weird word. Like, it's a boy at a certain age realizes, he's like, say, six or seven, and he realizes what life's going to be, so he purposely throws himself down a flight of stairs to get an injury, and whatever this injury does, it prevents him, stunts his growth. Yeah. So he stays that age forever, <clears throat> uh, and then he goes through life and it's, he, with his drum, and it's it's brilliant, but it's just so out there. It's so weird. Yeah. So, and they have a lot of they have a weird. The Germans have a weird look on life, like we're saying with the German expressionism in their fairy tales, the turn of the century, and like we said, the Mad Love cast we did, which was the horror movie from 1933 that we did back in October of 15, where uh, you know when the rise of Hitler, a lot of those Germans had to defect and they wanted to get out of there before World War II started. So they came to Hollywood, and then they heavily influenced our culture with. The universal horror movies and all the kind of subsequently, even our arts, I would say, yeah. until after the war. So there's, a, you know, we have a lot to thank for the, to them, the Germans. So we have this movie. Um, well, this book, The Never Ending Story, comes out uh, in 1979 by a guy named uh, Michael Endy. Yeah. <clears throat> it's E-N-D-E. I mean, it could just be end, end with right. an E. You know, it's hard to... But we, we, we don't classically... <laughs> yeah, nine. Sprachen Sie Deutsch, nine. So we... we, we in classically, we butcher any name that comes up. We're like Smith. We're like... Smith? Yeah, it's more me to blame. Blake's a little better at English than I am because I can't read. I just try to follow patterns. The book is first published in 1979. It doesn't get an English translation until 1983. And they end up... Doing a uh, adaptation, Wolfgang, because it's so popular in '84. What I find very interesting, because we 
sometimes try to get into the books. Sadly, we either one of us w- wasn't able to read this source. Material yeah, it was kind of last minute. Yeah, and well, we, it was. You know, it was. We didn't have enough time. By it would have been it, de- by the time we decided to do it to, 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 to now, tape to yeah. now while we're having the sleepover. It was a it short was only, turnaround. Yeah. So we were able to watch the movie, watch the special features, and then do some research. But we weren't able to read the original book. But uh, the movie is is surprisingly only one only the first half of the book and um what ended up happening is uh the second half of the book gets really crazy we can get into that later on but the the movie only ends up being the first half of the book and once the movie gets into production the author kind of starts getting having issues with the movie and to the point where he actually He's like, you're turning it into a fucking Disney movie. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're trying to make it sellable. and Yeah, usable. we want people to see it. Yeah, and he's like, no. <laughs> and I can understand what he's saying. But at the time, it's this, it's this long battle that authors or any kind of writer has versus adaptation in Hollywood. Well, they'll take it and they'll try to turn it around to their, to their purposes. So they were already into principal photography for the movie where the uh, end or ND actually tried to stop them. He's like, you know, this is bullshit, you know. So he tried to have an injunction, which was denied. Then he sued them, and uh, I guess the you know the judge sided with uh, the production company, Wolfgang Peterson. It was like, no, you know, they have the rights to it. So it got to the point where I think he took his name off the film. Took his name off the film. At the, at the opening title. Yeah, at yeah. the end, you could see his name. But um, he had a lot of issues with it, and... Um, I don't know it's 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 a very long book in a sense of what happens. So it it'd been it would have been very hard to see all that come to to be translated properly into the movie because when I since we hadn't seen this movie in so darn long, I thought this movie was going to be like two and a half hours, and then the running time's like an hour and a half, and it flies. Yeah, I thought it was going to be very slow, and you know, but it's like going turn around. It's like you know, you're, you're <laughs> it actually was a lot faster pace than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was going to be very mired and. Problem, you know, but I guess also we'll, we'll you know, talk the, later. Spie- yeah. Spielberg had something to do with that, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot to, uh, you know, nowadays being you know late thirties when we go back and we revisit things. Sometimes it's really shocking, uh, like how slow things were back then, or how slow movies. Were. And you know, and it's not, you know, I don't. It's not the fastest paced movie ever, but it was. No. It was surprising to see that, like. But certainly, there has been a. Uh, it, I will say, like overall. It was a pleasant surprise that, like... It wasn't mired I, in... I enjoyed it a lot more yeah. than I thought I was going to enjoy it as a as an adult. Yeah, certainly our culture, uh, maybe with MTV and then just, you know, with video games and, and just as the years have gone on, we certainly can't tolerate, like, uh, you know, our pacing has become so fast. You see a lot of these older movies where a lot of people, you know, they, they wouldn't get made that way today and a lot of people can't have the stamina for them. They kind of get impatient where, you know, you have to kind of like, well, you know... You, you know, it's the time. You know, you always just throw it at like it's the time. You know, you have to realize it's so much yeah, yeah. back then. People had bigger attention spans, so that kind of like sometimes hinders movies that you wouldn't even think of. And I can't really openly think of a, an opinion or, or a, a, a I mean, well, example. For instance, I mean, I always find it. I always make this like observation that everybody thinks kids don't have very short attention spans, but like really, if you watch a lot of kids' things, like they're not very fast, at least back in the day. I mean, the shit that still gets played today, like the peanut specials. Yeah, those, those things are slow. Those things are like the slowest fucking. You know, God bless Snoopy, but most boring <laughs> things on television. I mean, yeah. it's they've become tradition, and 
you know, and really I stand by that a kid only watches those things to see Snoopy and he's always in like so little of it compared to fucking like Charlie Brown. But, uh, I mean, I think those are a perfect example of like when you watch those now, you're like, holy Christ. Yeah. I mean, the first one, the Christmas one's in like, you know, 67 or 66 and the other ones are through the 70s and the 80s. But certainly even the Garfields, well, I mean, the Garfields go a little quicker, but certainly you watch any kind of those specials and it's weird, you know, uh, or even those, um, Stop motion like the yeah, Frosty yeah. the Snowman, or not Frosty, but like the uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed yeah, Reindeer. Yeah. And those are quite slow. So th- it's surprising and kind of refreshing to see that this was this pace kept going. And uh, like we said, I wonder if it had something to do with Spielberg um, being a part of it after the movie was completed. But so the the movie, um, how do we go into this? Uh, it gets picked up by um, uh, Wolfgang Peterson, and he does the movie. And it's one of these movies where it's pre CGI. Yeah, and it's right when uh, blue screens was blossoming, when people were starting to figure out how to use blue screens to their fullest effect. So they re- they completely used the shit out of it. In this yeah, movie. you know, I'd say, and it's successful. Overall, overall things really look kind of great. I mean, hold up in a yeah. yeah, they hold up pretty well. I mean, some of it's you look, you know, like some of it's not. Some of the the puppetry and stuff it maybe isn't as intricate as like what. You know, like Henson was doing. You yeah. know, we did a couple of months ago. We did Labyrinth, um, but overall, I thought things things held up pretty well. Like the the a lot of the composite shots, like the blue screen shots, they, they're a little washed out. Like it's you can tell it's like you know, compa- if you compare it to what's going on with like Superman and Superman Two, yeah, with like the flight, like you can see like the Hollywood money machine yeah like really there's a big difference in terms of like if you were to look at them side by side but i think but, that's only if, you're, if you're analyzing but they're great it. yeah but, you know like you know that's it not, certainly doesn't <clears throat> stop down the, the 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 action you're not no i think distracted. i think people especially of our age i think kids won't really kids of a certain age won't really they'll be they'll just be in the story they won't really think of it i think people our age looking back will see those shots and have like a bit of a nostalgic feel yeah. for the way they look you know what i mean and it's another it's a very specific thing that i think will like for me like i look at that I'm like ah oh, so movies used to be it's 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 another movie that uh you know utilizing the hell out of practical effects and it's amazing to see yeah. all these well, that's makeup and i you think know. that's like the the most interesting and kind of exciting thing for me about us doing this podcast is that we're going back and we're looking at like things like Labyrinth. And there was another movie that we watched where, oh, and even like Towering Inferno. Yeah. You know, a lot of those big effects driven movies to see the way. A second unit. Like revisiting yeah. like those things kind of now. Like psychoanalyzing it, like how it holds up. Yeah, it's with like. The time. And it, also, it's, it's it, sadly, you can't sometimes blame the movies because it's a lot of. It's like the education of your eye where we talk about we'll go back and watch even CGI from the mid to early 90s. It was yeah. terrible now. Uh, but then that's verse. At the same time, you watch at the same era. Jurassic Park still holds up, but then it's just some ones don't, and it, it yeah. just has to do with as you get older, your eyes able to you know, that, pick out. You know, the shit just gets dated. Yeah, uh, over time, like you look the relic. You know, some of that. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. That's, that's a perfect example where it just looks. It looks like a, a really bad CGI job of the of the dog from Ghostbusters. That you yeah, know, dog yeah. with the horns. You know, or even of, if you were to watch like. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen it since the movie theater, but like the Spawn movie, oh, that was yeah, like the highest, the like 
you know, CGI, CGI effect movie yeah. of all time at the time that it came out. So, I mean, I can't imagine how that looks now. But it's weird. Then you go back to Terminator 2. Terminator 2, for the most part, looks still great. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about the ones that work are like... Big, 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 big budget. Huge budget movies by, like, yeah, some of the most talented filmmakers. Yeah, of all come, time. So. You know, like, we're talking about Spielberg and James Cameron. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know who spawned, who directed Spawn, but a lot of those movies, yeah, like, um, sadly, yeah, those movies, like, uh, even, like, you know, you take it, like, I think even, like, uh, what's his face, the, 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 what's the Invisible Man movie they did a couple oh, years like ago. Oh, Hollow Man? Yeah, like, even that's kind of like, you know, or even The Mummies. I watched the, rewatched The Mummies from the late 90s ones with yeah, uh, yeah. Brendan Fraser, and those are kind of, you know, when you see, like, the, the, the special effects of, you know, his skin forming or the holes through the mummy rags, it's kind of yeah, looks, yeah. kind of looks dated, but, yeah. uh, I don't know, that, that, that's almost like a, um, rhetorical question is it is it the film's fault or is it your fault because you're just you know now you're as you're getting better and i think there is a i mean i'm sure we've had this discussion before i mean i i know we've had it not in a podcast i wouldn't be surprised if we've already had this discussion a podcast but there's like the way effect the practical effects there's something that just works better you know because there there is something tangible there i mean there's like as as good as effects can get and CGI effects are great and unnoticeable for a lot of applications, but for things like characters and stuff, still you can't beat. I don't know if it'll ever be good enough that yeah. it's like you really, you know, that you can really like give yourself over to the story and forget it. I mean, yeah, my personal opinion about CGI is I think it works best when it's just enhancing the scene. If it really, if there's, it's such so lavish that it actually takes you out of the action to be like, oh, that's a great special effect, or that's a I don't. Then it, I don't think it's it's almost showboating it. Where I like where it's just in like say, you take Titanic where it's like Titanic. There's a lot of special effects in it, but they're not that noticeable. Maybe the people are starting to get dated now that yeah, are walking yeah. around the ship. But when the ship's up in the air and starting to crack, that it's like it's enhancing the scene as opposed to like uh, the Phantom Menace where Lucas went back and and you know he originally had a puppet Frank Oz a puppet uh, Yoda and he went back and CGI'd over it and it's like. You know, sometimes those puppets, you know, they look great. I mean, even uh, Duncan Jones, uh, what's his face, is uh, um, David Bowie's son. He yeah, did Moon. Moon a couple of years ago with Sam Rockwell, and he used the same production company that did Alien to do, like, the exterior uh, vehicles, miniature stuff on the moon, and it looks great, you know? And it's like, I can't, like you said, when you saw Blade Runner at the uh, Ziegfeld, it's like, when you see that car, you know, going up in the air, yeah, it's like... Yeah. Well, that wouldn't look half as good CGI. Yeah, yeah. You it know? was like when well, I was the DeLorean coming down and Back to the Future too. It's like that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Practi- the practical last, effects look great. Last weekend, I did a uh, did a triple feature Oof. all Saturday. See what happens when you're not with me. You're like, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm gonna I did it. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And Force Awakens throughout Star Wars. Like, I don't you know, watch that. only because I watched the first one. Like just before Force Awakens came out, I wanted to get myself put, like in in the mood for Force yeah. Awakens. So Jeez, I, you didn't even leave the bed, huh? You just you so sat I your watched. Boxers. So I watched, and I watched like the unaltered, like the un Lucas going back and fucking with things. the pre nineties guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, I watched like the VHS version. Wow, <laughs> widescreen or no? They were the... letterboxed, yeah, okay. but not like yeah, you know, haste. anamorphic yeah. widescreen. So it was like. You know, and on my 16.9 TV, it was... <laughs> it's like a, a size of your fingernail. <laughs> it was a little box of screen of yeah. uh, action. That you, but luckily, you can zoom in, and they still don't look that bad. But uh, And like, like Yoda in Empire Strikes Back. 
like know. it's just beautiful. Like, yeah, it just fucking works, man. He's, f- it's like he, he didn't CGI him in the new one, did he? Yoda? I don't think so. But just like you know, I was on, I was I was going old school, and I, and I know when Empire Strikes came back, it was coming out. Like there was this big question: was like, our audience is gonna accept? Like one of the main characters of this movie being a puppet. I know that was a huge. They were they really were worried re- about that, like super. Worried. And that's why they went to Henson, and they're like, "Listen, you know, we're, we're we're thinking, we're toying with the idea of we don't know how to do them." And Could I don't you? know if Henson ended up making it, but obviously Frank Oz, who was a Henson staple, yeah, they lend it. He's and like, the, you take him doing the the uh, you know the, the, the puppetry, puppetry and, the, and the, voice. the voice and everything, but just like beautiful, like so like funny, and it was like you did not for a second. Like if you're in that, if it's a good enough story and you're in it. Like, you can accept it. But now you take, like, seeing the trailer for, like, the new Jungle Book yeah. remake that's coming out. And I remember when, like, the teaser trailers were out. It was, like, the st- legendary story comes alive. It's like, no, not really. The old Disney movie was a cartoon. And this is a cartoon, <laughs> But didn't they do? And I you feel like they one, did, a, they you did a one in the 90s, too. They did another one. You know? Oh, they might have with, like, uh, well, Jason Scott Lee, I think, might have done one. Yeah. Um, starring him. But... Uh, you know the new one is like they were just like now it's it comes alive, but it's like it, okay, you have one live person, one live character. The rest is just a cartoon. It's all CGI. And it, yeah. it look, it looks great compared to you know the other one, the relic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like it's it's today's. But who knows? Ten years ago, ten years from now, we could look at that and be like. Well, I wonder if the Star Wars, if you go look at the 90s, because I know Lucas is always correcting himself, but I wonder if you go look at those late 90s editions when he rebooted and, and added special effects into the original trilogy, if they look dated now, like the scenes, especially Return of the Jedi, where he's like, you know, he added extra shit into like the the scenes with... Um, oh, yeah, like Jabba's Palace. Yeah, like you know, there's, the, yeah, there's another song, and you see uh, Boba Fett walk by, and it's, uh, you know, there's, there's everything else going yeah, on. Yeah, well, like... And there's can, a, a tentacle coming out of the freaking mouth. He kept on desert. updating them, you know? Like, yeah. you can see... You can go online and look at, like... You know, you look at, like, the job of the Hutt scene from New Hope, which was, you know, shot with just, like, a fat guy. And oh, yeah, the, the, the and then they'll sh- And then they'll show you, like... The like the night like when it came out in theaters and he rearranged yeah. it and it shows you what it looked like and then it really and then it shows like the when the DVD came out like he he redid he it. fixed it again and then when the Blu-ray came out like he tweaked yeah. it again yeah that's that, that's a good example there's an evolution of like three different Jabba the Hutts there in that scene yeah. that deleted scene where it's just like it doesn't look but at the time it's our eyes were like just looks great but you know, you know going through and watching the kind of stuff we've been watching now that like that's been the most fun for me is a movie like this and you know. I think the effects are pretty great, and the puppet stuff is great. I mean, I, I see that like some critics and like uh, you know some jaded people like you know like oh Falcor, he's like he's not as good as like Henson would have done. But I, I think you know it works, man. Especially if like 1984, you know I'm six, yeah. you're five. This you movie know, comes out, and it's right around you know, the time. We don't give a shit about no, that. and. and to me, I mean, you look at other movies like Dark Crystal's on at the time, which is scary as all hell. This, for me, kind of lives in the like a Terry Gilliam world. It's almost between like, um, you know, uh, uh, what's the one with the uh, small people? You know, uh, oh, like Time, time Bandits. Bandits. You know, it, it's it's kind of like in that weird kind of a, a realm, and certainly Labyrinth too. Where Labyrinth, I think, is the other end because it's a little more puppetry and lighthearted and yeah, songs. Yeah. But this is. And there's, it's like we're talking about the German seriousness, and this being definitely a children's movie. 
there's a lot of fucked up shit going on. I mean, like, you know, the, when Artex dies, I mean, there's, yeah, there's I mean, a that's, lot of, that's like, the, shit where it's like... Well, it's funny you say that because, I mean, obviously, that's the big one. That's yeah. the one that sticks with us. Back when we did a podcast, we did a episode of the podcast, we did Transformers. Yeah. And we talked about the fucked up shit. Of, oh, like, I was chimed on that. Yeah. And then right around early on when we did the podcast, every once in a while, I we would do these, like, a blog post. Uh, sometimes uh, in kind of like relating to the ones we just talked about. And what the blog post that we wrote then was like, you know, the five for five, like five fucked up movie moments Yeah, for a child, (laughs) for a child, like in the eighties. And this was fucking on that list, man. I mean, there was, I mean, there was a lot of, there's, there's a lot of shit back then. I mean, I don't know why could, it could be that like those movies, eighties, we're talking about people that were like young, during Vietnam in the seventies, maybe it's like they have this jaded look. I mean, it, you can, who knows what? Like you can go back to anything. I mean, I say a lot. Well, of maybe like, they weren't. They, they weren't no longer. You know, when they got rid of like the the haze code in the sixties and the seventies, and everything got like more bloody, gory, realistic, that kind of a thing with sex, and maybe that also translated into the early. I mean, even you look at animated movies like The Secret of Nim. I mean, there's like fucked up. You know, <laughs> there's um, what's the one uh, uh, the with the rabbits. Uh, uh, Watership oh, Down. Watership Down. And then there's a sequel to Watership Down, which I never heard of, called The Plague Dogs. Called Watership Up. Yeah, Watership Up. They're going up this time. <laughs> there's one called The Plague Dogs, and that's basically about this these dogs. It's animated as well, and it's it's I think some of it's rotoscoped, where these dogs get released from like this center where they're being tested on. So these people like they're infected. We have to go kill them. So it's about like these. You know, scientists tracking them down with shotguns, and then there's a scene. The only, I haven't seen the movie. The only scene I saw is that the 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 the, the guy gets out of a car. He rotoscoped, and you don't really see his face. And he's got a double barrel shotgun. He's about to kill this dog, and this other dog jumps up at him, and he blows his own head off. And this is a children's movie. You know, yeah, it's I like so you're thinking those, like the, I mean, the, I'm no expert, but I wonder if like Watership Down. I wonder if those are based on books. Oh yeah, yeah, they all are. But I, but it's just at the time you think that you'd have a little more. Like nowadays, I can't I th- see them. You know, I think yeah. they, they try to. They would try to sugarcoat it, or like Disney. I also think like you could get away with more stuff in animation back then. Like yeah. it's animated. It's not yeah, real. Yeah, don't worry about it. You know, I mean, like you look at this. We, we certainly shouldn't say this is new in the eighties because you look at Bambi's mother getting killed. But all that kind of happened off screen, if I'm if I can you know, remember correctly. So yeah. a lot of fucked up shit would happen, but. You know, there's a lot of adult themes that would happen, especially like the Grimm's Fairy Tale or the early Disney movies that yeah, would translate. Yeah. But they try, they kind of handled it in such a way where it was kind of like, uh, you know, giving the kid a, a not to, 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 to no pun intended, but a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. They give it to you in such a way where it wasn't like this movie, where like you know the fucking art text is, come on, you gotta get well, out look, of there. I mean, the entire <laughs> plot's fucked up. It I starts mean, off from right from the beginning. You know, the, the, <laughs> the story comes up. Yeah, his mother's dead. His mother's dead. Um, uh, major dad's there. Major um, dad. Gerard McRenny, who I Simon and love, Simon or, or Simon and Simon. From those people out he's there, he's making like the weirdest breakfast beverage I've ever. Well, seen. I think I was thinking that it's like nowadays it's like orange juice and raw eggs. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like people on the go. It's like nowadays they have these drinks, like the naked drinks or whatever. So you you know if you can't have a breakfast in the morning, you have like the shaker smoothie. Yeah. I think he was ahead of the class and he was he was doing it then. <laughs> so because he's giving the kids some breakfast. Well, it's and funny, it's, you know. I was reading, you know, I was reading some description of this movie online, and they describe him as like 
an alcoholic father. And I was oh, like, oh, no, or a workaholic father as well. I was a workaholic. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, but yeah, it's like this. It's like I know your mom's dead, but you know, fucking. Uh, yeah, you gotta get through. Fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I was a unicorn. So what the fuck are you talking about? You're afraid to get on a horse. I mean, he's. I mean, he's like not as much of an like his delivery isn't as assholey. No, he's trying to be firm with the but, kid. But it is kind of like it's a dose of reality where it's like, listen, I know you're sad, your mother died, but you know you can't let these things affect life. We gotta go, you know, move on and shove up and move forward. And you know, he's like, you know, your math teacher called. What the hell's going? on? He's nice about it. He's like, yeah. what's happening? He's, He's like, well, I'm, I'm, he's like, you're drawing pictures in books, and he's like, I'm drawing unicorns. So it's like right there, it's like the kid's drawing unicorns, it's, you know. But the kid's a smart kid. It's, if you know, it's right at the beginning, it fades up, and he's in his room, and he's reading, you know, a big book, and it's like he's a reader. So it's not like he's just, you know, yeah. delving well, into video escape. games or I mean, it's clearly I mean, escapism. I he's jumping into these from like his, you know, the fact that his mom's dead. Yeah. His, as well as he's not having a good time at school. Um, as we just said with, say, like, uh, his grades and stuff. So it seems like his aptitude is really high, but he's not, he's, he's losing, yeah, he's losing, um, he's not really paying attention in class, he's drawn in his books, and then what you just said, there's then these bullies who just seem to live to just beat the shit out of him. They're yeah. not even trying to, like, harass him. They just, they're just, we want your fucking money and throwing him in a dumpster. <laughs> and they're like, stay yeah. there. And then they're running after him, and of course, no one's helping him on the streets of the, 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 the really deadly streets of Toronto. You know where they shot the movie? Oh, Vancouver, I think. Or Vancouver, I'm sorry. It's, it's in uh, Canada. And uh, they shot the majority of the movie in Munich at um, uh, one of the studios there, which um, I think is called, like, uh, Balsaka or Balsaka. <laughs> Balsack. Uh, Balsack Studios. <laughs> That's horrible. Um, uh, I, I'll find the name of the studios in a minute. But they sh- but they, they shot the exteriors, like the bookstore, as well as the um, the these exteriors with the kids running after him in Vancouver and uh, it's yeah so the kid is is uh, oh uh, Bolivia Studios in Munich sorry uh, which is a, the biggest studios I guess in western Germany and they shot it in the summer of 83 and, and they were having a heat wave it was the hottest summer on record in 25 years there so they uh, a lot of the stuff like there's certain scenes where the stuff was starting to melt like yeah, the, yeah. The, the ice sculptures and stuff and then they shot the beach scenes in Spain in Mosul, uh, Mosul Beach. So um, the Maybe kid is not having; he's having problems, you know. And then he he ducks into a bookstore to to, to, yeah. to hide from and these bullies. Class, well, one that's like the idea of like the old store, classic device. Oh yeah, why? Well, it's like I mean, even like to, Return of the uh, not Return. It's like Friday the Thirteenth series. Like, yeah, yeah. Imagine him ducking into like that <laughs> antique store, and then the, the yeah, old guy's like, "Don't we, take anything," and he, he takes something. and He becomes yeah, a murderer. Yeah, you know, and with, with Gremlins, kind of opens that way. Yeah, not with a kid, but you know, with the you have freaking that, uh, uh, you have what's his name there saying like uh, uh, um, Key Luke, like don't take nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, know. it was a classic device. And when we did uh, uh, Gremlins, I talked about the story. Uh, uh, Monsters Ring by Bruce Koval and uh, I was just talking to somebody, a friend of mine was talking to me about how he wanted to introduce, he was trying to think of what film what Jackie Chan film he should introduce his nine year old son to like what's the first Jackie Chan movie he should. Cannonball Run. <laughs> what do you say, Rumble in the Bronx or something? Yeah, he was like well maybe Rumble in the Bronx. Or it's what? interesting that he's, he's wrestling with that idea. I want to introduce my nine year old daughter or son, son, to, yeah. son to Jackie Chan. Well, he showed him a clip from Rumble in the Bronx, and his son, like, totally didn't. Just started talking about, like, video games. 
he's like a video game character and he's like no he's really doing it <laughs> this is a live person so he's trying to he was asking i was like i don't know a kid's movie i was like there was that one a couple years ago which was just well more than a couple years ago now that was basically wizard of oz and it was him and jet lee I can't remember what it was called. I couldn't remember what it was called the other night. But there's like a this teenage kid who's really into kung fu movies waltzes into like a old Chinese like antique shop. Um, was it a, is it an American movie? It's or is an it American. A, movie? Oh, no, I don't know yeah, this at all. Yeah. Jet Li, Jet Li, and Jackie Chan together. Wow, have they ever done anything else? That's a collaboration. Did they and, put Chow Young Fat in there as well? <laughs> no, I don't think so. And then throw some Tony John at your freaking set. But. Uh, yeah, and it was, it's basically the Wizard of Oz. He, he gets, like, you know, whipped, zipped away into some, like, you know, like, fantasy Asian, Middle, medieval Asian, like, world, and he's got to find the Monkey King or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's a kid's movie. It's got Jet Li. It's got Jackie Chan. It's actually half, you know, it's a decent movie. Yeah. But the, that it's it opens with, like, he goes into this old shop, you know. Like, that's such a great device. And this isn't, like, an antique shop, but it's, like, this old bookstore. Yeah, there's old old books piled everywhere. And then the, the, the storekeeper's kind of a dick. He's like, remember, he's like, you know, Get the no, fuck out of here, Yeah, there's no rat. video games here. Go down to the store, and there's no pinball machines with sparkling lights and then the kid's like you know fuck you old man i you know i've read the class yeah, i've read shit i've read shit like twenty thousand leagues under the fucking sea <laughs> i've read you know and he starts rattling off and the, the, the guy off the bat he's like really okay you're with all righty all right but this isn't a regular book and then he kind of and then it's see when i was little uh it was much more clearer to me that he leaves it purposely for him to take but then this time i was like jesus the kid's stealing shit now <laughs> you know well, no, I think he does leave it for him to He does. I mean, he's kind of like, he knew, like, he yeah. kind of knew the kid. Oh, well, he does amp it up. He's like, you're not going to, this is different. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, this is, this stuff really happens, you know. And then <laughs> this he. This shit's great, man. But, but it's it's almost. Right, nothing in room two. <laughs> yeah, you, you like flying? I got something that'll really make you fly. But he ends stay up. Stay out. Yeah, stay, stay out. Stay out of room 227. <laughs> Uh, two three seven, um, <laughs> two, two seven classic. Yeah, two two seven. <laughs> <laughs> I have no relation to with uh, what's his face shows up from uh, um, from uh, uh, Jefferson's. Uh, so he, it's almost and it almost can be. You could say that's a horror movie right there. That he's like stealing kids' souls. Like because if this book is bad and it goes bad for the kid, he could be ruining this kid's life if not killing the kid. The kid gets gets sucked gets sucked into the book. What happens in the 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 original book from '79 is. Where our movie ends, um, he's he's he he saves the, the the princess's life by giving her a name. She gives him the amulet, uh, the, the Orion Orion A U R Y N, and on the back of it, there's an, an inscription saying, "Do what you wish." So this is our movie ends, and where the second half of the book picks up is that um, for each wish he uh, Bastion uh, wishes for, he loses a, a memory uh, of his human life. So he, the second half of this book, he's in this world doing all these different adventures. He's wishing for things. He's um, losing his his me his human memories. Um, uh, Atreyu and, and his other friends are warning him, "Hey, you know, you got to remember the dangers of this because you can get stuck in this world forever." Um, he goes on some other adventures and he, he like overcomes other kind of obstacles, and then uh, he he then becomes the emperor. He he tries to take over the world for himself, the whole realm, and he's stopped by Atreyu, and they get into this. 
battle where uh, Bastion's wounded, and and then ultimately uh, Bastion has to repent, and and he he's reduced to these two last memories he has of his of his of his mother and his father and his own name, and then um, he's on the verge of losing these final memories, and he's able to to to. Uh, uh, he's losing the, the capability to love others, and then like you know, it, this goes back to the whole issue of he's wrestling with his father. So finally, he 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 through all this this and that, he's able to come out of the book. He returns to the father. He 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 says he's sorry to, to the father, reconciles with him, and then he goes back to the bookstore, and he and he goes to the guy. He says, "I'm sorry for stealing this book," and and here's your book back. And then. Um, the dealer he he denies that he that he ever owned such a book and then he reveals to 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 bastion that he's also been to uh here it's called fantasia but in the original book it's called fantastic fantastica but then in the german translation it kind of translates the fantasian to the english so they called it fantasia so fantastica so the book dealer uh, admits that he's been to fantasia too and that that you know he, he has done kind of the same thing and it's another story that shall be told in another time so yeah. it's kind of like keeps going he's like passionate on so and that's what they, i mean and then they start to walk away from the camera and he looks back and he's got those cat's eyes and yeah and it stops and then you hear vincent price <laughs> going ah! <laughs> <laughs> and you hear the door go Rrr! yeah so that's and it's so it's it's rather yeah. fucked up and they say i've never seen the sequels but never ending story two it's kind of loosely yeah, based apparently on. They took a couple of, they took some of the plot points from the second, the second half, half of the book. story, but it's kind of a different uh, overall story. So, and, and then the third one has nothing to do with. Except Jack Black's in it, being all Jack weird Black, in the ball. It's, it's all kind of weird shit. Henson did the effects. Oh, really? And it's uh, written by a close personal friend of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, Jeff Lieberman, who directed Squirm and. It's, it's it's written by Lieberman. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Who did, who did the horror movie Squirm and some other good stuff? And Blue Sunshine and uh, other things. So so it's you can see the dilemma. Um, the the original people who were translating the original book to screenplay, like how are we gonna? This is an opus. Like you know, this is really a, yeah, so. Yeah. I, I like it's sad for the author because we are authors, so it's kind of hard to, to think about them not adapting your whole work and then f- changing the fuck out of it. Yeah, but it's kind of a daunting task to be able to, to do yeah, all that. Yeah, I mean, that, I think it was kind of you know? a smart idea to do just though because the know, first half of the story has a good has yeah, an ending and point. That you know? was a lot of the, the reception for the book. A lot of people said that the, the two parts of the novel repeat each other, and then it gets kind of weird because Bastion then becomes like an he's no he comes like an antihero and he becomes almost like a. I wouldn't say a villain, but he com- becomes like a figure that Atreyu has to battle, and they end up becoming like mirror halves of each other, where they can be almost yeah. uh, interchangeable, like foils. So it's there's a lot of weird stuff going on there. So I kind of, yeah. like you said, it's kind of it is a smart decision to do just the first half of the book and then save that for a sequel if there ever was going to be one, you know, yeah, like they yeah. ended up doing. But then that just pissed the author up so much that he's like, you know, Bastling, Well, you know, go back to you know the the what's going on in the movie the story that we have as the movie the first half of the book i guess you know and it being kind of fucked up i mean so we have he steals the book and he, he goes steals to the school book, he goes to school there's a math test, there's a math test. He's, he's like, like fuck i've been like, drawing unicorns <laughs> in the books all week i'm not ready for this and i remember when i was watching it 30 35 years ago i'm like oh he's gonna get in so much trouble and then he goes up into the attic because he knows how to get up there and it's like and i was like this is so scary he's gonna be in some shit and then it's like and then he's up there like, and he's just reading this book. Hangs out up there, reads this book. Very scary. It's like a, it's like you know, 
very scary um, attic. Yeah, I bet you like your school probably had an attic like that. Like my school didn't. Mine had did. It. I was in the, it was in my attic, hand and high. The high school I went to, uh, the high school I was in it once or twice, and it was one of these old high schools that was built like in the teens and nineteen teens, and it was just. It was huge because it's, it's one of those length of the school, and it's, like, dark, and then there's just – they just have shit because I was in the theater class, so they would store a lot of set pieces up there. So we'd go up there, and I was just, like, freaky-deaky. And then there was a clock. Yeah. You know, so, like, the clock no longer worked, so there was all, like, the inner workings of the clock part of it. And so it's like, yeah, you're right. It's, like, it's very – it's very – it almost reminded me, too, of that other movie, Lady in White. You know that movie? You know what? I was you know, going to say. I was like thinking, like, I want to watch that Lady in White again because I, that's a fucked up movie. It's and so it's funny like, you say that because I was thinking that one. And that's we were, also when we were watching. <laughs> or 85. And that's another movie where it's like, it, it's kind of like, kind of aimed at children because it has the kid from E.T. in it. But that's a fucked up movie. People are dying. There's like, yeah. kind of weird. There's ghosts trying to, you know. It has Mona from Who's the Boss. Yeah, it does. It. Yeah. So anyway, but, he goes up, he starts reading this book, and the book starts. You know, it's just that there was, you know, just the 80s was like a really w- weird and wonderful time for fantasy, you know? Like, this is the idea of, like, there's a very, like, pro-reading oh, yeah. message to this. Which say, I love. And say, like, Princess Bride, for instance, is well, another one. Well, that, that becomes the basic uh, great concept for the book as well as this movie, is that... It's a fantasy book. Uh, it's about a, 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 a fantastical land, no pun intended. But then it's because, which I think they say in the movie, they make it pretty clear that the nothing basically is that nowadays, in, especially in the 80s, and I think it's so uh, uh, worldly, it's like on point today with yeah, the message, yeah. is that like since people aren't reading anymore, they're losing that aspect of their mind, the, the fairy tale, the, the, yeah. you know, the imagination. And because of that, what's being taken over is the big nothing. And the, whatever, as kids turn books away and they're not, you know, using the gears of the imagination and they're turning to just playing video games or playing on their phones nowadays, that's how the nothing is taking over and taking all that negative space and turning into a nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's like the, the it's almost like, uh, you know, when you used to watch like the, like the video, like the television version of like the play for, uh, Peter Pan. Yeah. And like, spoiler, like Tinkerbell like dies or whatever. Yeah. And they're like to the audience, all the kids. Like, you gotta fucking clap or whatever. You gotta help her. Yeah, like you gotta believe. Yeah. Do it harder. <laughs> it's like Ozzy's doing it. <laughs> louder. <laughs> I can't fucking hear you, you fucking louder. Imagine Ozzy in the role of because they had a female being Peter Pan in those years. Imagine Ozzy. Come on. Today's role what's her face can't make it. Today's role is understudies Ozzy Osbourne. You know, I went to see Black Sabbath a couple of weeks ago and And we talked about that in the head of the um the Dick Tracy cast. Yeah, and nobody like Ozzy makes you work for it, man. Yeah. Like, I know. He doesn't he's not a, it's not a passive shoot. Yeah, Ozzy's fucking yelling at you. But like that idea of, of like head. the imagination, wonder you know, hope, all those things are what's fuels. And that's what's, that's what, that's what like Fantasia is made out of, you know? And if without that, as children are becoming, you know, more, I don't know, bogged down with whatever. I mean, you could, you can argue that movies and such are, are as, yeah, as, as bad as this. You know, well, you know, yeah. but like, as you know, but you know, the implication, but you, there's a positive argument. I mean, this movie being one, you know, yeah. like, 
you know, book. It fuels imagination. Yeah. I mean, it did fuel imagination and for they, us I mean, when we were growing and up. And they also, they, I think they conceded it, that Fantasia is the world of human fantasy. That's what this book yeah, is. Yeah. And then that's that's the problem. That is, as kids are not interested in books and imagination in these worlds, that's why these worlds are falling apart, which is kind of a I mean, it's very a interesting deep, microcosm. It's, it's, yeah, a it's, very, very deep. It's, a, it's a very like deep message. And the whole... That the cycle keeps going. But also, like, the idea of the nothing. I mean, if we got into, like, an analytical, like, view of it and really analyze, like, fears, it's like the fear of, like, non-existence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's, like, almost like what happens in death uh, for a lot of people. You can't really, you know, if you, if no matter if you're religious or not, it's like, you know, can you... I used to, you know, think about this, and your mind kind of like hits a point where it can't process it. It's like, what happens when you die? Like, what? It's like when you go to sleep, you're you're not conscious of those hours so it's like if you die you're not conscious anymore so it's like it's kind of like your brain kind of wraps around like what's going to happen then so it's kind of like that's what these people are wrestling with where it's like they're um you know with the nothing it's like some people i mean there's they talk about there's two scenes in the film that they didn't uh that they that are in the book that they wrote in the script that they didn't shoot and one of them is uh, the first appearance of Falcor, where Treyu uh, is rescued from this uh, bad guy called uh, Yurgamol, the, the many. And uh, the second one is where uh, uh, Treyu and Falcor encounter these things called the wind giants. And, and uh, that's when they're, they're, uh, he's, you see them, he's left on the beach and, and they're wounded and they're patching up his wounds with those little gnomes. Yeah. Uh, but it's like there's parts in the book where they're talking about the, these these creatures where they were these people were just giving themselves kind of like suicide they were jumping into the nothing in the book in these certain situations and it's just so crazy to think like especially we have the um i don't know what his name is the stone the rock biter the rock biter he when he That's we first like, encountered to me, him like okay you got the 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 zartax or whatever the fucking what's the Falcor? name of, what's the name of the horse Artex. Artex. Okay, you got that scene. Right? So I just Artan. I was like, <laughs> 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 Joe's Tomax. Yeah, Tomax. Zaymond is here, too. We are, they both say it in unison. <laughs> you know, you got the, that scene with the horse. Yeah. Okay, undeniably fucked up. Score scarred us, our generation, for life. Yeah, I couldn't Sur- watch it. Surprisingly, you know. came a much earlier in the movie than I remembered. Only like a it's like 30 minutes. It's like in. at the 30 minute mark yeah. like to the minute. Yeah, it's like the end of act one. <laughs> like to the, to the second. It's, it's, it's cutting off. It's cutting your balls right off. Um, and then you could look into that. Like he, the, the horse gives into sadness, which is like what the kid, what, you know, it's totally like this. It's depression. It's like the kid, it's like they're giving into like just the, yeah, you know. But it's like what, you know, it's what Bastion's kind of dealing with. You yeah, know? it's just it's, what happened. His mother's died and he's. And he's kind of lost in life, and he's kind of like you know. But so the horse gives into sadness, and he drowns. Spoiler alert! In the in the swamp of sadness, or whatever. Um, and even they have they have to go through the realm of the swamp of sadness. He's like, <laughs> amazing. Like, and then you know, once you get in there, it's like I mean, there's do. there's a lot of great moments, which I'm sure we'll get to a lot of them. But since you're about to bring up this idea of like the rock biter, to me, that's the most fucked up scene in the movie. Where when he's when they he's when like they go into my him. hands. Oh, oh yeah, it's the second appearance of him where he's like these. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I always thought they were strong. Yeah, and he describes like this 
like the, the, the nothing was coming. The scene that we don't see in the movie. I mean, that, is that yeah. the scene that you were re- you were leading up to? No, I was I, I was talking about his first appearance where he kind of sets up what the nothing oh, is. Okay. And he's, well, then we'll get back to well, he's no, to this oh, other well, no, scene. we can go right there because he's saying, and you know, he, he we meet the the, the t- two other characters he's with. We meet the the, the man with the fast snail, and then we yeah. meet the other who's the guy. in like all those Tim Burton movies now. Yeah, yeah, he, who's he's, he's played really by the Oompa Loompas and uh, yeah. The, Tim Burton, Charlie, and the Chocolate Factory, uh, and then he meets the other guy who has the the the, the bat, bat that flies, which is funny. That's always sleeping, and he and he kind of he brings up like we have to get out of here because there's the nothing, and then he's like, "What is it?" And he's, he's trying to explain, and then it's kind of weird. And then I find it very brilliant and terrifying. Where they're like, "Okay, let's go to the castle and talk to the princess about it all." So they take off, and they kind of leave him there for a second. He's getting ready to go, and he's like maybe taking some rocks to take for the trip, and then he hears the nothing coming. He looks. And it's like I think they do. There's a shot where like they zoom in, and it's a puppet, and they zoom yeah. into his eyes, and he's like terrified. It's almost like Scatman Crothers in The Shining, where he's on the bed, and he, they zoom yeah. into him, like when the kid's shooting him The Shining, and he's kind of you know when he's got the naked black woman and afros <laughs> over the head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, which, uh, if anybody has out there, I'm looking for those pictures to put on my walls. <laughs> my wife's like, "No, you're not." And I'm like, "Yes, I am." But it's like it's terrifying. They zoom into the rock biter, and he's like looking at the nothing. He's like, "Don't, don't, don't, don't." You know, it's like yeah, almost yeah. like Scatman's reaction from The Shining. So. Then the second part you're saying is they encounter his character again, like maybe what forty five minutes into the movie yeah, or so, yeah. like in near Atreyu. the climax. Atreyu and um, and um, uh, Falcor. And like well, I was saying, gonna, because you were talking about the like a deleted scene where people were just like throwing themselves into nothing. So we find out, spoiler alert, later in the movie that towards the end of the movie that the fucking the nothing came, yeah, and fucked shit up. And so he's sitting there. They find him there, and he's like. He's got like the, the bot rock. He's got, he's fun, yeah, he's he's going through like this major. Well, they they stand up they like survivors. They, they run into him and he, they bump into him. And they look like and they see that he's sitting down on his. He's just laying. He's laying sitting down and they bump into his feet and they come around and he's just staring at his hands. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's survivors guilt. And he's like, uh, they're like, what's going on with you? <laughs> he's like, my, they're strong hands, right? And he's like, I used to think they are. And basically, the fucking nothing came and he couldn't hold on to his friends that we met at the beginning of the movie. And they got fucking flown into the nothing, and he's sitting there. And to me, that's the most fucked up part of the movie. Is yeah. like this guy who he's like needs to call like he's broken. suicide hotline yeah. or something. And he's just like, and that scene ends, and he's just like, I'm just gonna like sit here and fucking wait for it because yeah, I want to be with my friend. Like or, I just like he's just know. like, fuck it, yeah. I'm just gonna sit here and wait for the nothing. But that scene was like. Even more so than the horse scene, maybe because like the horse scene is something that I remember, so yeah. it's like I've lived with it my entire life. But that scene was like the most heartbreaking scene to me. That was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is some fucking heavy shit and for this a little is, kid. Yeah, you're laying this shit on like these kids' doorsteps, and these kids have to like try to like process this. Where like these cute and he's like not even really met. talking to fucking. No, he's not talking to them. He's, he's talking he's to himself. Ex- he's expounding about yeah. He's like these these hands. You know, like they used to be. It reminds. <laughs> We have another movie that I can't uh, place, um, you know, where he's just he's he, he just he can't fathom what's happening, and then they 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 bring in this wolf uh, who's very scary, yeah. and um, he's working with the nothing because he, he he at the end of the movie he kind of um, uh, he brings it up what he says, but he, he's 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 a creature of darkness, and, and I forget his name. He's he looks like kind of like he, they say he's like a werewolf or a wolf, yeah. But he's a like great he, reveal, caramel or something for the end. I mean, we see him a little bit. Earlier in the movie, yeah, and he almost gets 
or uh, Treyu in the swamp, and that's when they uh, what do you call it? That's when they introduce Falcor. Falcor comes in, but the the reveal of like his fucking monologue or whatever. Oh, when he's in really the, cool. When he's in you know, the, uh, it's like in the ruins and he's hiding out and in a like tray, a tray. Yeah. And a tray was like walking around, and there's like these murals painted on these like broken down walls of all like the, the beats of the movie. He's like looking at like things that he's already done, and the last one he sees is like this fucking mon- like the monster in the cave, and he hasn't seen it yet. And then he turns around, and there it is. <laughs> Great, great, like classic, like horror movie, fucked up, like reveal. Yeah, and he, and he, and the, 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 the wolf kind of lays it out for him. He's like, I'm looking for this. I'm helping because he's like, it's, it's the, it's almost like the. We talk about Germans again. It's like the fucking the Germans, the, the town who were like, you know, we knew nothing about what they were doing. We were, yeah. we were, who knew that the black smoke was or the black snow <laughs> was people with the chimneys? It's like, it's like he's an active participant. And I'm not making any aspersions to say like that the. That, you know, the people nowadays, you know, have anything to do with that. But it's like you just think of the old days where in any kind of culture where it's like he's he knows the end is near this werewolf. So he's helping because that's all you can do. He's evil. So why not? Why don't I help the evil take over? And he kind of lays it out for 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 him. It's like, yeah, you know, the world's falling apart. I'm looking for um a Treyu because I'm going to eat him. And Treyu's like, well, you're looking for me. You want to you want the you think a big time and you fucking die big time and then you know he uh, he, he jumps at him and he's got he's got a, uh, a stick and he's got some balls uh, uh, not Artex Atreyu and uh, Artex yeah. had some balls All, too. Artex so, had some balls too and we can get into the technical aspects of this too as well in a minute but um you know he kills the werewolf and then it's like you're down to like you know the I think at that point that's when the the climax happens and nothing completely destroys Fantasia completely yeah. and then you're just in space and they're just like all the the, the the, the bits of it and then he's got Artex and Artex like hey let's go find the castle and they find the castle and it's still falling apart or Falcor the, you mean. Fal- I'm sorry Far- Falcor and they get to the castle and they're like what do we have to do and then she's like we have to break the fourth wall and talk to the kid reading the book well that's where it gets, starts to get well first the first like part of like the meta-ness happens when he's talking to that giant turtle yeah which is one of like the most glorious effects in the movie in i know opinion. and it it's doesn't so look beautiful and it doesn't look at all uh, there doesn't look any kind of rear screen projection or kind of like optical printing like lines it's 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 just it's amazing and the beautiful shot where it's like he's on the over his shoulder kind of but you see his full body on that tree and then in front of him is that giant fucking head. turtle and, and he's another one he's like I, I you talk to him and he's like uh you know i've been i've been alive forever and who you talk you know i've he's been alone so he's Develop, he talks to himself. He calls himself we. And then he's like, well, what are you going to do? He's like, well, this I'll die because it's better than what I'm doing here. It's, a, <laughs> it's more of this philosophy. I'm buried in the swamp of sadness. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's how like, much well, worse can he fucking yeah, get? Yeah, so why not? I'll wait for it. You know, I don't, you know, he knows what's going to happen, but he doesn't want to help out because he's like, I don't care. Why should but I? But for some reason, uh, Bastion in that scene, for some reason, fucking screams. I, that, it's something I don't. It wasn't the scream when Artex died, no. No, but it's like during the when he sees the he screams at like the reveal of the turtle, and then they're like, "What the fuck?" Was yeah, they, they all they all look around and like you know, and he's like, "Did they hear me?" You know? Yeah, but for some reason, Bastion screams there, and that's when like the meta ness begins. It's like, is he part of? Is he part yeah, of the something story? Weird, yeah, not the usual stories. Something's going on amiss. Here. Yeah, in the mist, <laughs> and uh, so that's like the beginning of like the meta ness of this. So then we get to. No, a lot of a lot of really fun adventure happens. Um, you know, we meet those gnome, those like elfy gnome people. That's kind of fun. Was another scene when I was little 
that scared the poops out of me when they meet the after they see this is the the deleted scene that they never shot they they battle the I think it's the wind giants or the other creature and that's when you, the gnomes are patching them up and they're yeah. like you know we're helping them and they're like giving them booster shots uh, Falcor and they talk about the um the oracles they have to go talk to and that's what I was saying that uh this was the hottest uh, summer on record in 25 years in Germany, and that's why some of these oracles were melting that they had made yeah, out of these ice. Yeah, like Sphinx statues. Yeah, and also, that's another thing that the um, the German um, uh, the author kind yeah. of hated about the movie. He, he said it was like a strip scene. He called it horrendous that they made these or- oracles with uh, these these huge breasts, which I think are look great. It's like <laughs> I, to be honest, I didn't it didn't even occur to me. You know, he he called it revolting. He said that he was embarrassed about the. the he called them the the author called them strippers. He said that it was he was not on board with the busky busty laser shooting sphinx statues that Atreyu encounters in the film. And he says, "quote The sphinx are quite one of the biggest embarrassments of the film. They are full bosomed strippers who sit there in the desert." He was really pissed at it. So I guess we can. It's weird that there's two. There's two sets of them. There's two sets of them. That is a little strange. You know, and, and one's made of ice, but the first one they encounter is like, you know, freaking huge yeah. uh, ringeting Charlies. And but my point is, so we have these gnomes who've been, he says, I've been studying this for years. I'm going to write a book. And he goes up to watch. And then there's this first encounter where he says, you have to believe to go. And it's that's another great, uh, you know, theme in the movie. You have yeah. to believe in yourself. You have to yeah. get over your nervousness. You have to get over all your inner turmoil to succeed you have to and that's that's with life you have to put yourself out there you have to get out of the range of comfortability to be able to take that step or take a chance and they have that first knight who looks like one of the like the knights of the templar he's like growing he's like yeah. look now and that scared the shit out of me when i was little when they they, they, they both the laser eyes shoot him and then later on when atreyu decides to do it himself and he comes up upon that yeah, yeah. and i was always dreading what it was going to look like and they, they kind of go up to him slowly and they go to the face and then for some reason there's some wind and his mask <laughs> comes up and he's like <sighs> yeah and it's all he's all you know he's like, burnt to a crisp you know and even his none of his armor helped him and it's just, it, that was freaky. And then the, the 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 talking when they're you know I think he goes past the first one. Cause well, he then he's got to go up to the mirror. Yeah, and, but then he goes to the second. Um, uh, he goes that's to the, the second. End. The, the oracles. That's, and they're that, talking that's to at him? the end of it. Okay. The second, like when they're falling apart. You no, know, it's like yeah. Well, no, it's like he goes through the sphinx. That's like the first test. And then the next test is he has to look into the mirror and it's going to reveal himself him, or what, what he really is. Oh, true yes. self. Yeah. And then, they, but it only, but it reveals that he's bastion. Yeah. <laughs> which goes into the book where they say later on that they're kind of foils. They're, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're kind of um, interchangeable. So, I mean, it gets a little, starting to get, it continues to get a little more meta. Yeah. For people. Like that, like the, the bastion is part of the story, you know, that's, it's going. So that's like the next test. And then he, passes that test them how he walks into the mirror and then he ends up with the the princess well no with with the with the, the, second oh, the, thing the, the, the ice oracles kind of yeah, yeah and they're there and those girls are telling him stuff which is which is that they he tells them that they need to he that she need to the way to beat the nothing is they need to give the empress a new name yeah and he's like fuck it i could do that <laughs> And they're like, no, you can't. Not you can't give him a name. It has to be a name given by a human. And what's a human? And it's like, well, you know, you... which is like this is. It starts to get a little like it gets. If you can look at it in a weird, like, kind of funny way, because he says that, and then uh, you know, and Bastion's sitting there reading the book. He's like, I wish they'd fucking ask me because my mom had a hell of a name. Yeah, you know. And then so then we get to the end, 
uh, well, more shit happens, but the, we, we talk about uh, he meets the fucking wolf creature, and then the and then the nothing comes. Great effect where they fucking put the entire set on like a yeah a gimbal thing. Yeah, they, they, that's that's another thing. When right when we were just discussing when the when the nothing comes and destroys Fan, Fantasia. They uh, he kills the wolf and then the nothing comes and it's a windstorm and what they did was they put the entire set on a gimbal with the camera locked down and then to to show that the the nothing is there and it's a wind effect they turned it ninety degrees so that the person's who's a stuntman for Sebastian not Sebastian for a tray who's wired in but he hangs onto a tree and since the camera goes with him it just looks like the yeah. wind's taking him up and that's a yeah like all the fucking bold like the rocks everything's the falling wall, like everything goes and like we said goes we watch camera this, right because it's supposed to it's all falling being blown away and we watched yeah. the special effects um, on the blu-ray and it was amazing to see a wide angle of this effect and how big this freaking this thing was like I don't know 300 400 feet wide and they just put this whole set and turned it on its ass and then they had to do it again yeah, because Wolfgang Peterson's like, no, nah, let's do it one more time. So then they had to replace everything. They do it again, and, and yeah, because he's like, it was soft focus or whatever. And then this gets into um, the little uh, bits and bolts of the movie where they some people say that that the lead Noah Hathaway who played Atreyu was kind of difficult to work with, and then his take to that is, well, you know, I'm 14 years old or whatever I am, and you know, Wolfgang wants to do shit 40 times in a row because he's a perfectionist. So it's like, yeah, I, I'm going to get a little sick of it after a while and you know speak my mind so who knows yeah, yeah. you know if it's true or not the uh like we said before barrett oliver who played or oliver barrett the one who played um um barrett oliver who played bastion they said he was a joy to work with he was amazing and yeah, as he was just had to sit there and read a book yeah and you know but i mean but he was really good i mean he was re- like no i mean in very, terms of like oh yeah it was a lot just, less demanding yeah, of a act- part yeah <laughs> physicality yeah and even the other girl tammy uh the she was um iranian born um from San Francisco, she was uh, doing acting classes, and she auditioned, and she got the the princess role. And then it's funny because she then they said she lost her two front teeth right after because she, she was like 11, 10 or yeah. eleven. Yeah. So they had to give her like fake teeth so she wouldn't have a lisp, and that's how she kind of sound. And then for, when I was little, I thought she was like the most beautiful creature I had ever seen. That girl, you know, cause she kind of looked like older for her age to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, shit, so shit goes down. Yeah, and uh, Falcor and. Uh, Atreyu, Atreyu are get flying to, around in like the nothing in the space you know, and they, they, like in space and um, which by the way like the, a lot of people seem to like give the movie shit because like the nothing is like that weird like cloudy effect and yeah. they're like well it's something it's not nothing but it's like how do you really film I mean maybe nothing is is a scarier concept that, no but they can, but like how do you film that yeah like, how do you like, the absence of any give the body give it a body and body it somehow and, and they kind of do the same effect that we talked about in the black hole. Uh, podcast at Disney's The Black Hole film where, you know, to shoot The Black Hole, what they did was they just made a huge um, uh, sink that was, like, clear, and they'd shoot water down it, it and they'd shoot it, they'd film it at high speeds with a lot of lights, and they'd yeah. put, like, different kinds of dye in the water, and that's how you get this beautiful black hole effect that they'd had in that f- movie, and in this year, they kind of did the same thing where they filmed, it's I like guess... a giant their, aquarium, basically. Yeah, and then they would shoot different... Uh, die into it and then the die moving around it would give these like storm clouds that you can't really uh, photograph practically yeah. which is amazing it's like wow, no i mean it's beautiful to look know, at yeah like, but it, my, i think it serves its purpose I don't that's know why my point would, is like yeah. people are like well it's something it's fucking like fucking water clouds it's yeah not nothing but it's like what is nothing like how do you f- it's an abstract 
concept. Yeah. So how <laughs> you do you know, like this? It's the lack of anything. Like what is it? It's not even you can't even make it black because then it's something. It's yeah. black. I mean, you know, the nothing. It's like we said. You know, it feeds on people's dreams. People lose their dreams. But so they go and they, uh, Atreus like, you know, Falco. Let's see if the palace is still standing or some shit because there's just like little asteroids. Yeah, with, like, bits of the, the, the different of uh, Fantasia, and they find the the palace is still standing barely and it's starting to fall apart. They find because well, I guess we forgot to say at the beginning of the movie when uh, the stone butter and everybody runs to the palace to try to ask the princess what's going on. Um, like her doctor's like she's very sick, she's gonna die. We have to find a warrior who's gonna come. Yeah, she's like she sent for a warrior. And, you know the best warrior that the people have, and, he, and he's he's killing what is it like the something buff the purple, purple buffaloes. Buffalo. Now it's interesting in the book as well. Um, Atreus character's green. So they tried to paint the actor um, uh, Noah Hathaway green. He said, "I just look like a big fungus." And I th- I, to me, it kind of harkens back to he would have looked like one of the characters, like on the original Star Trek, you know, <laughs> one of the aliens, like a green alien, you know, like dressed up with just like a freaking like a, yeah, a piece yeah. of uh, like cloth around his 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 you know uh, lower his junk extremities for the kid. So they kept him, you know, as a human uh, in appearance. And uh, so that's the kind of the, the, the MacGuffin of the movie. He's got to go and help her, and they don't know how. He can't bring any weapons. He'll know how, and he's got to face the, the, the greatest fight in his world. So get back to what we're saying now. He comes back to the girl, and she's like, I just need a new name. And this was also a huge thing for years. I, I would assume with everybody else, I never knew what the name was. Yeah. I mean, I never went and read the book. There was yeah. no such well, thing as the internet. It, and you can't really understand. You can't hear it, it at all. And I remember for people, we would turn it down. We try to, you know, and there was never this advent of closed captioning. So when we well, watched so there's it. This, but the, the leading up to it, there's that big scene. And he's like, I fucking failed. And she's like, no, you didn't fail. You brought the earth. You brought the human uh, to us. He's yeah, here or now. saying that. And the shit starts getting like fucking really heady. Right? Yeah, it starts getting real. <laughs> You know, and then meanwhile, we should say that during when when the the human, the Barrett Owl, Sebastian's character, uh, as soon as school lets out and, and they turn the lights off in the school and he's in the attic, this big storm happens. So, yeah. you know, there's a big like thunderstorm and crazy shit going on in the real world outside of the attic school. So it's yeah, kind of mirroring the nothing. To spend the night in the school. Yeah, which I don't know what the fuck he's thinking because Major Dad is probably going through. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's calling the other Simon up to go look at him, <laughs> you know, worrying about it. But anyway, so his environment's kind of reflecting what's going on in Fantasia, yeah, like, you yeah. know, the craziness, and, you know, he has to go shut the door. He's by, like, candlelight. I'm yeah. fucking... I always... You know, of course, now with, like, the jaded, like, adult, like, point of view, I'm like, he's gonna fucking turn... Bur- burn that whole He's gonna burn down. this fucking school down. He's gonna be trapped in that. Yeah, and then it's gonna... Then no one's gonna know His what happened. It's gonna light yeah. on fire. And it's gonna turn into, like, some horror movie where it's, like, the kid burned the school down because he hated the world, not because he was trying to save the world from the nothing. So they're saying, like, you're so it's sorry, it starts to get really fucking heady. I mean, we talk a little bit about, you know, I think when we did like Terminator or stuff, we talked about like the time travel and, yeah, you know, the way things can get kind of like really kind of twisted. <laughs> it's like Doc Brown. There's that word heavy again. <laughs> so, uh, is that she's like, no, you succeeded. You brought him. He's here now. And he's like, well, where the fuck is he? Why hasn't he showed himself? It's like he doesn't understand that he's he's here, that he's part of it. And she's starting to get like, uh, it's beautiful acting by her. She's starting to get really like uh, uh, the anxiety. And then, but then the reveal happens. It's like it's not just like he's part of the story because he's he's like he's reading it. He's part of the story, and there are others. That are like he's watching us, and there are others watching him. Yeah, and it's like she's talking about us. 
<laughs> yeah, she, she. It's just it's this endless cycle where she's saying, yeah, he. It's like, are you like, are you the dreamer? Or are you the figment of someone else's dream? Like, you know, and then Lewis Carroll again said, it's like, she's talking about him reading the book of them, but then she's talking about it being a big movie that us, the audience, is watching. <laughs> or if we were reading the book, you know, we're but, the reader. Uh, but so it gets very like very very in the mouth of madness. Yeah, you know, it gets very like Sutter King. It's very much you know. <laughs> is like, Trent part of the book, or is he the character in the book, or is he trying to find Sutter King, the author? That's like what's going on here, and so it's like whoa. Yeah, and then <laughs> she, which I think is brilliant, she breaks the fourth wall and looks at us and it gets like whoa this is crazy and she starts talking <laughs> well now the shit's happening yeah now, she's like, like you gotta help it's me it's gonna you know the nothing's coming for like the last bit of the fucking <laughs> and of Fantasia they, for the Blu-ray release that came out in uh, 2014 they interview her especially for the special features and you know she still looks gorgeous she's like almost probably just about 40 now and she said like you know how fun it was to work and how great um, you know Wolfgang Peterson was and she said for that scene Wolfgang just came up to me and was like listen He's like, you know, the whole place is dying. That's not a good German accent. And he's like, he's like, you know, the world's ending, and you gotta fucking. This is it. You gotta plead with it. This is everything's in your hands. So action, and she's like crying. She's like, help me, Trey, you down. It's like I remember when I was little, I was like getting anxiety. Like, yeah, you gotta fucking do something, to Trey, you. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna do it. And He runs up, and he Bastion, Bastion. Well, you know, it's the whole thing. He doesn't realize. That's like the that's where like the suspense comes from. Yeah, he's like it's like it, when's he gonna realize that he is the fucking person they're talking about? And he he finally he's like okay he's like you want me to do this you want this this shit's on he's like fine fuck it and he runs up and he opens the window uh, of the attic and he screams into his storm and he screams his name and and some people still contest that it's not the name he says from what I read on the internet but for years like I was saying a minute ago. No one knew what the hell he said, and that was like the biggest mystery in the yeah, world. Yeah. What the fuck was the name that he said? What was his mom's name? What's the name he's given her? But now with DVDs, there's the advent of subtitles. So you subtitle it, and the mom's name is Moonchild. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> like, wait for it, Moonchild. Well, that's the thing. It's like, is it? It's almost like Frank Zappa's kid. What's yeah, his yeah. name? Is Moon, Moon Unit? Unit? Yeah, yeah. Or, or what's her face named her kid? Apple? It's like Moonchild. It, you know, it's like he says that he would give it his mother's name, but then he yells out Moonchild. And it's like, well, is that his mother's name? And it's like, well, maybe his mom had was like born to hippies. Maybe. Yeah, she was only 20, and then <laughs> she Frank met Major Dad. Or Frank Zappa was her dad or something like that. And yeah. uh, so Moonchild. Moonchild is the name. And if then you it, go with the with the, you know the that one hint where he's like, oh, I'd give her my my mom had a beautiful name. Yeah, is that like Bastion's mom's name is Moonchild. Okay, yeah, all right, all right. It's almost like P Funk. All right, then my Funkadelic. Or made Native American, maybe. Maybe know? she was Native American, but he doesn't. Yeah, I guess. And then it kind of then there's like the uh, stasis, or it's like after the denouement, like everything's calm, and it's like it's kind of all, and then all of a sudden isn't. Uh, suddenly, um, Bastion's transported to the. Well, there's just like a darkness, and, and he, the, the two of them are sitting there. Yeah, and it's just like she's like, you know, looking. I, I, Jesus, I sound like a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> she's looking great as a ten-year-old. You're 10 looking year old. at it through a child's yeah, eyes. Yeah, you know, she's she's looking gorgeous for that ten-year-old, and she's like, you know, you did it, you saved us, and you know, well, there's a lot, there's some stuff in the. And then because Atreyu went away. You know, he's no longer in yeah, that last well, scene, as is Falkor's Well, gone. that's because no, the nothing took over everything yeah. except for that one grain of sand that she's got in her hand. Yeah, and then uh, that's uh, it's so, it's just, there's so much going on here. And then for what's, and then what's, I guess, at the end of the movie, you know, in the old days, they used to say with the, with the Hayes Code, you know, you can't, you can't do anything, you can't glorify anything without having, like, a resolution at the end that, like, there's a comeuppance. So, like, you can't say glorify a girl for being a hooker until you say at the end, you know, she's going to repute her 
you know dark ways or you can't glorify violence without showing them getting their 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 comeuppance of getting killed say by the police so it's like here it's like the all the horrible shit we saw up until this point with with like our techs dying and all that it's all resolved because since Bastion gave the name. It killed the nothing, and then now Fantasia's back to how it was. She's fine, and then uh, Bastion gets on to Falcor. He gets well, the no, fucking ride not, of the life. Well, f- the Fantasia's just this grain of sand, and she gives it to him. Yeah, and she's like, "You like he's got it." He's like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with it? She's like, "You have to make a wish," and every time he makes a wish, another part of Fantasia. Yeah. So it's and like his is, his imagination is what's going to rebuild Fantasia. And that's what happens in part two of that story: that every wish he makes, the more he loses in touch with the human loses factor himself. Yeah, in, in the human world. So the next scene we have, it's like the music, like, and he's like, turn around, <laughs> and he's on he's on Falcor, who a lot of people say it looks like a horse on uh, the horse, looks like a dog, and everyone yeah, says it yeah, looks well, like my dog, and it's like they. Well, that was all that for me. That was like the most memorable part. Is like, yeah. Giant Gordon Setter when I saw it when I was little and always like yeah he looks my like, dog was Falcor yeah everyone says that's my you know that's my dog and then, then the people are like it wasn't supposed to look like a dog he's supposed to be a, a good luck dragon yeah which I find fascinating and he kind of he he has dragons usually traditionally in folklore have wings but he has no wings he kind of like f- flies like yeah. a fish yeah. he like slithers his way through which I find again fascinating but. What I find interesting is that since he's a good luck dragon, I always associate like dragons and that kind of thing with the with the the Far East. Uh-huh. So he kind of to me looks like a, a dragon in the sense you'd see like in the Chinese New Year and their kind of mythology that you know the dragons and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So I I find that very interesting. So at the end, he's on the dragon. He's going around. He must have wished everything back because then you see there's a big field and you see um, a tray who's back on our tax. Like, yeah, yeah, well, he's waving to everybody. Yeah, he's like, know. hey, everybody. Hey, and he sees the rock. He's like, hello, rock monster. He's like, hello. And then you see the snail and then the guy and the rat and the mountain. It's like all great. And then he's like, you know, what do you want to do next? And he's like, because it's played by <laughs> Macho Snap Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, come on. We're going west. We're going east. Uh, Sebastian, what are we going to do? Sebastian, we're going to go down and get those people, Sebastian. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah mean Gene Oakland. <laughs> no, why didn't Macho Man get more voiceover? I know he would have been amazing. Him and him. Bone song. Yeah, we're gonna go down. So, um, he goes and he scares the. Um, he goes and finds those bullies, and it's funny because I, I completely I remember at the end him scaring the bullies, but I didn't look at the background action. Yeah, and, what the fuck? Yeah, right? <laughs> so it's like everyone else is seeing it. I thought when I was little, I didn't even think of it. I just thought maybe the bullies are seeing it, but like the, the cars are swerving. There's people screaming, you know, so I think that's really cool, you know, and it's, and then it, is that how it ends? Right. And then it's the narrator comes on. Um, I do think we should make an honor, an honorable mention to this guy. His name is Alan uh, Oppenheimer. Alan Oppenheimer is an actor who you see in a lot of episodic stuff. He's still alive. He was born, I think, in the late 20s. Uh, but he got more vo- voice work in the 70s. And he is the voice of the um, the stone muncher. He's the voice of the narrator. He's the voice of Falcor. He's the voice of the werewolf. Um, well, I forget his name. Uh, Morick. Wolfie. Wolfie. He, for us, uh, he's in Master Universe. Uh, the cartoon, he's the voice of Man-at-Arms, Battle Cat, Skeletor. He's also in Transformers. He's Breakdown, Warpath, Beachcomber. He's in Scooby-Doo. He's in a ton of shit uh, just doing all this different voice work. And I think it's a great shout-out to him that in this movie, he's like four or five different characters. Yeah, and it's yeah. all about your inclination or how you talk and all that. So, yeah, he's like, what do you want to do next? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, um, he's like, I want to go and find Elizabeth. Come on, brother. 
Come on, brother. <laughs> so uh, we just did um, a No Holds Barred podcast, so we're very much into wrestling and, uh, and, and all those things. So he goes and scares the punks, and then it, they fly off into the sunset. Yeah, and the, the narrator's like, no, they had many more the adventures. Shit, went, shit was right again. Yeah, and everything was, everything was, was and the world was fine. Um, so, uh, or was it? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so they, um, they talk about, um, like, you know, forgetting the parts. We talked about... Um, What's her name? Uh, Tammy uh, Stronick. She, she was uh, in theater classes in San Francisco when she got the part. Uh, Noel Hathaway, who played um, Atreyu, he was going to be on a Broadway show, Chaplin. He was going to do a Broadway um, play with Gene Kelly and Ann Margaret, but he turned it down to do Never Ending Story. Uh, we talked about her losing her front teeth. They said... Um, in the scene with Artex, they said it was very hard. It took two trainers seven weeks to get this poor horse. I know. If you watch the footage of it, it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, trying to get this you know, poor horse into the water and in Europeans, not to freak out. Yeah, I mean, you got to get a horse into a water onto a platform. And how they did it was they had this platform that they get the horse onto, and then the platform would lower, and that would make the horse sink. And you know, a horse is going to freak the fuck out because it's in you know, and they have to. They wanted to get it up to its up to its neck yeah. and it's freaky because you look at the horse's eyes and clearly the horse is freaking out yeah, yeah. so they said it took two trainers seven weeks to get the horse to be able to be comfortable to realize that it's not going to die supposedly well that whole and, entire swamp is on a set which is crazy yeah and it's in like a tent or something they said it was all humid you go in there there's mud there's smells it's like bogs so uh atreyu uh the actor he had he he had hurt himself a couple times he felt he fell off the horse while he was um you know doing um horse riding to get okay with horseback riding and then there was a scene where when when whenever they were shooting one of the takes of artex drowning where his foot got caught in the in the platform and he got taken underwater they had to bring him up and he was unresponsive for a minute like oh you know but you know europeans especially in the old days really don't have the best record when it comes to animal rights and we we've talked about this with the italian spaghetti westerns where the old story with vic morrow uh, the actor went to go do some spaghetti westerns in Spain, and they Italians shipped all the horses over, and they realized it cost too much money to ship them back, so they were going to kill them all. Yeah. So Vic Morrow just, you know, he paid to get the horses back. So <laughs> and now that we're in the 80s, and like, you know, I mean, and then there's, we talk about animal cruelty. There's, uh, what's his face, um, who did Wild Bunch? What's his name? Peckham, Sam Peckinpah. And there's the, the there's that Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid movie with Bob Dylan and uh, oh, yeah, a couple yeah. of people. Well, at the beginning of that scene, the director's cut is they have chickens buried up to their necks and they're blowing chickens' heads off with, with guns. Real, and this is the opening of the movie. <laughs> and it's like, I, this, there's, there's, it's just funny. I'm, I'm getting off on a bit of a tangent, but as you get older, there's stuff you don't really need to watch anymore. Like we've seen that movie Cannibal Holocaust where yeah, they're, yeah. they're killing animals and that. It's like I've seen it, but I don't need Cannibal to rewatch Holocaust. it. Cannibal Run Holocaust. <laughs> uh, Cannibal Holocaust. And even at the beginning of the Wild Bunch, they have the ants with the. Um, it's a great metaphor, but they have the ants with the scorpion, and it's like um, that was. The, the 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 Mexican actor who played the general in well, the Wild Bunch, Peckinpah was trying to figure out how to open the movie. He goes, "Why don't you play the game we played as children?" And he's like, "What's the game you Mexican kids played as children?" It's they would take a scorpion, put it on a, a, a top of a whole army of ants, and they all the the scorpion would sting itself to death trying to kill all the ants, and then they would set the whole fucking thing on fire. And that was a that was a day in life. The game, yeah, killing all these things. Well, even so, you know, we somebody just requested that we do. Uh, Kingdom of the Spiders. Kingdom of Spiders, the Shatner. Yeah. Great Shatner. And when we uh, watched that. It was like the cars driving around. 
and they have all those spiders on. They're just like popping like water. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, they're just throwing the spiders on, and then, then Shatner's turning on the freaking windshield wipers, and they're just running over, and it's like clearly they didn't use any kind of, uh, you know. Or even you th- you think about in um, Willard with the freaking rats. They're just you know, like they, Ernest Borgnine talks about in the scene where the rats attack them. They covered them in this lacquer so that the rats would be attracted to them. And then they, they said action. They're just throwing fucking rats at him. He's like, ah! You know, you know. So it's like back in the old days. So or creep show, which I just watch all those all those beaten bugs. All those freaking those huge. um, Yeah, there's there are a certain kind of like South American cockroach that are so big, and you think about all them. Yeah, he's stepping on them and spraying them with stuff. So it's like you you think of this movie. Let's hope they didn't kill the horse. But they say at the end of the movie that that um, uh, Artex, the actor Noah Hathaway, got so great with the horse they gave it to him, but he just couldn't pay for the shipping. So the the fact ends with so they just left the horse there. So it's like I just <laughs> in the in the small <laughs> <Yes>. of set. <laughs> so um, we're just yeah going through the bits and bobs of the thing. Um, like we said, the author took his name off the uh, the the script. Um, uh, funny now, um, Noah Hathaway is a tattoo artist in San Francisco, and uh, he and his wife own a tattoo parlor, and he does tattoos. And for a while, he was doing the uh, the symbol. Uh, the the Orion tattoo yeah, for people, but then he said he just he stopped doing it because he did like fifteen in like a week, and he said he got a little too much for him because he people can, were going. You can catch him sometimes on like the convention circuit signing stuff. Yeah, it'd be cool. And then like um, again, the author of the book, he was hoping for other directors to direct it. He wanted Akira Kowasawa, the Japanese director, to do, which would have been a completely different movie. <laughs> throws throws to Mafuni in there, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and another. So you know, all these little. Odds and ends. So, you know, the movie, they finally, they they film the movie. Principal photography is done. Uh, they want to release it to American audiences. So, like we said at the beginning of the cast, they record this great pop soundtrack, which I, to me is indispensable to the movie. And then um, uh, Wolfgang Peterson, he gets the idea that he wants to kind of like tighten the movie a little bit. So he goes to Steven Spielberg, who I guess he's friendly with, and he equates it because Spielberg had been hanging out with Lucas and they attribute it all to Lucas that since he knew how to do like the Lucas type cutting I guess of the Star Wars Wolfgang asks Steven Spielberg for some help he's like hey can you help me just like I'm not looking to delete anything but just tighten scenes make stuff run a little better so Spielberg must sit down with him and they go over the movie and they cut about seven minutes out of it which is I guess the German version seven minutes longer yeah. and because of that help uh, Wolfgang gives um, Spielberg the medallion yeah, and now Spielberg has that like in his office, hanging like in a in a in a nice little framed case, the medallion that he got it for his thank for that. So the movie comes out, and the movie does pretty well. I mean, um, here in the states, it it, it um, uh, let's see, it does uh, it does modest uh, a modest hit, but then uh, Wolfgang attributes the reason why it wasn't huge was because of. Um, you know, it has like European sensibilities, but yeah. in in America, it's it's uh, it's 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 pretty huge. It, it ends up. Um, well, I think it found it's one of those. Not in America, I'm saying in Europe. Yeah, it's, it's big. They, but also, I think it found its audience here on video. Oh, certainly. I mean, it it, it worldwide it made a hundred million dollars. It cost uh, sixty million Deutschmarks at the time, which was I guess twenty seven million in American dollars. And also a huge feat was almost five million people went to see it in Germany when it came out, which was really rare, I guess. For, for people to go to the cinema of that that in those numbers, and uh, it got about it made about twenty million dollars domestically, and overall, like I said, it, it, I guess it did about a hundred million dollars. Um, 
So I guess it made its money back, which is yeah. good. And it got two sequels out of it, which the yeah, second I mean, one. They've been talking about doing a, kind of like a remake. Yeah, DiCaprio's uh, company was talking about um, doing some sort of like reboot, reboot, which they say wouldn't be necessarily like a sequel or, or a remake of the Wolfgang movie. It would go back to the source material yeah, and try to. It would like, be interesting if they did like a, you know. A more nuanced or faithful, yeah, and like a two-part, like yeah. continuous. You know, if they went like Lord of the Rings on that shit, yeah, and maybe not as long and wind, long yeah. winded. But that that knowledge, that 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 is, but like given that attention and that respect to the source material, might make it for an interesting kind of like two-parter. And that that uh, not, that information is from two thousand nine, so they they were talking about it then. Um, the critical response came out. People like Robert uh, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars. They say he said it was an entirely new world that has been created because of this film. And then uh, Cinema Blend referred to it as one of the scant few true fantasy masterpieces. Um, and then it went on DVD. It, you know, went on Laserdisc, went on video, and it it went on DVD. And in two thousand three, there was a European uh, version that came out a two disker, which is interesting because it's the only time this ever happened. Um, it, it, a European is region two. They had both the German uh, release and they had the North American copy. And I bring it up because I remember in the early two thousands, you were on kind of a kick of buying. You had a regionless DVD player, yeah, and you were buying. And I don't know if it, it's still like that now, but there was a while where there was a lot better quality or uh, supplemental materials found on those Region 2 Europeans that you were getting. Yeah, Remember yeah. that, like, example is that Predator. Remember you got that great... That um, eventually came. That, that There was a... Your, <coughs> but that was a me. phenomenon that you were, yeah. you were going out and actively seeking these out. I was buying region, region 2 DVDs because they were... You're right. Mostly for the supplemental material. Sometimes yeah. it was a movie that just hadn't been released here. Um, but yeah, the, to the Predator one had this massive long documentary, which... Have, eventually came out on a release here but for a long time it was only on that european release uh carpenter movies like they live that they live had a commentary with him and roddy both carpenter and roddy piper and i see you wonder why that wouldn't have been um you know released here why is it yeah. all for region two for for europe you know and, and and like you said you were able to you just if you had a regionless dvd player and you were able to get it that way but so there's so much, and we talked about in the past stuff like, say, um, the first thing that comes to my mind is that great Muppet Christmas special that I love that only aired once on TV here that has never had a proper re-release again because of rights with the songs they use, like Jingle Bell Rock or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But in Europe, they don't care. So Europe, that thing is seen a proper release because for some reason the music rights aren't the same as they are in yeah, America. Yeah, the way rights work in Europe are different. So you have all these movies, like especially in the early 2000s when you were actively doing this, where like The Predator, all, all we had was like a DVD widescreen release maybe with like a remastered soundtrack where yeah. in Europe you had all this these great documentaries so i don't know what took so long but it's it's worth to note that it's awesome that there is a 2003 two disker where you have the original german film which i guess yeah. i assume would have american subtitles I, apparently i read that it doesn't that sucks because it'd be so cool to watch without the pop soundtrack and just see yeah. what they were in the intention plus it being seven minutes longer it'd be really yeah, cool yeah. to see what they took well, out or what they stretched if you, out um if you go online uh youtube maybe we can supply links to it there's um there's a documentary, a German documentary, about forty-five minutes long. No, this one is like an hour long. Oh, really? And it's like it's like fifty some fifty high fifties, uh, and it's in German. Yeah, and some it's the one that's subtitled, right? It's uh, someone got it from a got a copy of it and had a friend of theirs who spoke German 
translate it. Is that why some of it's misspelled? <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, because we watched one, and some of the misspelling was like they were spelling like rumor wrong, or they were spelling like you know. And it's in and and on YouTube, it's it's you can get it, you can see it there. It's like in four parts, and there are little things that you because they'll show scenes of the movie, and you know some of the scenes in the movie are in English. Um, so like his conversation, with, you know, uh, there's some extra stuff, a couple extra lines and stuff between Bastion and the Empress, like at the end. So I mean, you can I, I would imagine some of that is probably what got tightened up. So you can see little tiny chunks of that if you watch this hour fucking long documentary. Yeah, and then the, the Blu-ray that we watched that which was, looks like it was definitely it wasn't a retrospective documentary. No, it was a period. It was made like when they're you know like probably right when it came yeah. out. Um and for this 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 movie's quite a phenomenon where I guess if you go to Munich the studios uh the Bolivia studios that they shot it at has Falcor like you can get on here yeah. and ride them and they have a lot of like elements that are still up almost for you like a museum-ish. And for the Blu-ray that we watched that came out in 2014, they had this restoration, um, and they talked about that that uh, they restored the movie, and, it, and it's very very integral what they did, where they like they 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 you know they recorded every every frame into the computer, and then they, what they were doing was they were taking the grain away to like fix the imperfections of like you know dust or whatever on the uh, on the film, then they re put the grain back in. There's like this weird process to, yeah. to take, put the film grain, take it out. To, to eliminate all the imperfections and they re-put the grain back in. So they, it was a really painstaking process. And I think it looks great. I mean, you know, it's a D, DTS soundtrack. Um, the widescreen, it being wide, they really utilize it. It's not very wide. It's not like 235, but it looks beautiful yeah, yeah. how they shot it wide because I guess we've only known it from like, you know, 4.3. That's true. That's you know a good I mean? point. So it's, I, don't it's, think, it's nice. I don't think I saw this at the movies. I remember... No, you know, I don't I, think I saw it either. I remember I saw probably like first, like as soon as it came out on video at my dad's. I remember. Yeah. I remember watching it. And this like is another a huge movie, impact. Yeah, for the eighties. At these, it's like we talked about in the Dick Tracy cast, where they had a lot of these movies have a second life on video or in home video, where they, you know, the, they may only count the initial box office receipts, but then this thing could have a second life for like a decade, where you know they're still making crap loads of money off their, their rentals. And uh, like the restoration thing, you know, they want to keep the the thirty five millimeter looks like authentic. So that's why they add the grain back in. So it's pretty amazing. And then we said they did a sequel that was loosely based on the the second half of the the, the book, and then the third that was really not off anything. They just you know kept the name. It's sad. The second one uh, it says it's directed by George Miller, but it's not the Miller that we know. George Miller, yeah, uh, who did the. the like uh, Mad, Mad Max, Max movies, bro. and then uh, Jonathan Brandis is in the second one, the, the, the uh, great guy from Sequest, and he's in Psychic. He killed himself like he ended twenty up, years. Yeah, ago he ended up killing himself. He was in Lady uh, Bugs, a, a favorite of mine with uh, what's his face, <laughs> Roddy Dangerfield. Yeah. Um, sidekicks. He's in yeah, Sidekicks with Joe Piscopo and the Classic. Chuck Norris, yeah, great I mean, movie. Jonathan uh, Brandis, man. Yeah, God bless him. And um, and this when this book came out in the early '80s, this was like the Harry Potter for like German kids. It's like this you think well, about, that's like, my they que- that was like, like, such a that was my phenomenon. question is like how I mean obviously everybody went to see it. I, I, mean, I mean that's why I think how, it was so how, popular. How big it was, yeah. You know true. when it came out in '79, this book was so popular that they were that they tried to you know they sort of adapt it to a movie in the early '80s, to '83 to '82 to '83. They shot it, it came out in '84, so this was huge a phenomenon. They wanted to grab that lightning in a bottle, and they. Uh, 
that's why maybe when it came out, it was so popular that you know they had this unprecedented amount of people going to the cinema yeah. to see it, I which have is pretty to say cool. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, you know, and I think it really—I don't know if you can attribute it to Spielberg, but you—it really does. I'm surprised for the era of 1984 how quick-paced it is, and like we said, like shit's going down. Right? I mean, it's not like you know. No, it still drags a little bit, but not not in any kind of way I, I compared totally, to like it wasn't. You know, there wasn't a moment when we were watching it where I was like. Top of my look at my watch. Like, yeah, yeah. It really did. It, you know, I was, you know, because we, you know, like you revisit a, a lot of things. We've been pretty good about the, in terms of. I don't think there's really been anything we've watched where it was like, uh, this really didn't hold up. But, you know, it sometimes you can see a movie that just you you remember fondly, and sometimes you're almost afraid to watch it because yeah, you're worried you're like, like, yeah, it's going to hold up yeah, well. Like, I wonder know? if this is going to. But also, at least you know, we pride ourselves on this podcast where we we kind of watch it with that um, mentality of the era, yeah, which is yeah. fun. So we, we try to keep things. We're very forgiving, though. but I, I wonder if we will ever encounter a movie that is just so. Um, bad. I mean, you know, or just so <laughs> atrocious. I mean, I. You know, I was saying no holds barred. I was questioning, like, can I get through this? But then it, it ended up, you know, being, you know, it kind of saved itself by the end. It was like, oh, it was, you know, it's so well, you know, awesome. That there's a, you know, it's like, so. I think we have, you know, I think, you know, like you said, we, the, our podcast is, there are a lot of movie podcasts that are, that take a very negative point of view. And that's fine. Well, that's almost, <laughs> but it became a cultural thing, where, you yeah. know, where you see that on television, where it's everything. Like, like a very cynical. Yeah, the whole world. Try to be com- comedic by. Just knocking yeah, everything, but I mean, I think, I think, uh, I think No Holds Barred and you know the Ernest Christmas, Ernest Christmas, yeah. Christmas. I think those were like those. Those were if. <laughs> we, but you we, said we, yourself, it's the example like with me with No Holds Barred, where I, you know, I was at the beginning like this is bad, but then yeah. at the end of it, I was like, ah, it kind of well, redeemed you itself. Mean, and you then kinda, you just got to give yourself yeah. into it. You and know? then with, you said with the earnest, you're like at the beginning, you're like I don't know if I can keep up with this stick. <laughs> but then at the end, it's like it's kind of fun. It's like yeah, he's going to save Christmas. Santa's yeah. there, you know. Well, and you and know, it becomes you, this. You, you know, just have to give yourself to it, and yeah. you got to say like, okay, like this is what it is. Yeah. And I mean, what are you what are you expecting? Yeah. yeah you're not like, going to see. You can't really. You know, you can't be judgmental through the whole thing, or like, yeah. well, you know, you're, so you just gotta kind of give yourself to it. Like you said, we try to watch it with like, you know, the goggles of, of you know the eighties, yeah, the mentality of whatever. You know, like last week, smoking the man. It's like, what do you expect? It's a car, it's a car chase movie. It's a comedy. And, so it's like, uh, it's, so fun. I don't. So I mean, even if we come across a movie that we just really don't like, I don't think. I think we'll. I think the cast will be the same, you know. When like I don't, yeah. I'm not worried about it because at the very least, a lot of the movies, it's like we have a very nostalgic, like the wrestling, like No Holds Barred. You know, somebody they wrote about it on uh, Mike Vanderbilt wrote about it. <laughs> our cast on uh, the, uh, the a- AV Club, and he's like, they give it the, the the exact right amount of respect, which is like, you know, we took it for what it was. Yeah, and uh, we took our time in that one getting there, but it was the nostalgia. But it was like it was nostalgia it of wrestling, you in, know, in nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety, whenever the hell it came out. Um, but this movie, on the other hand, I was pleasantly surprised that it, it held up way better than I thought it was. Going oh, completely. To. And obviously, there was a lot of stuff about like the plot that I probably didn't really even realize. Yeah, a lot of that, like sub subconscious, like we're saying the meta stuff, where it's just so like I mean, basically, you know what I like about the, I mean, I would show this to my kids as fucked up as it is. It's fun because I like, like at the end of the day, like the, I like my kids being fucked yeah, up. I, I want I want them to be <laughs> fucked up with the head. I want them to have to go to counseling for the rest of their lives. Well, I know I think, there's... but it's like it's like look inside of yourself, live your dreams. You yeah, know, yeah. you know, step out of your comfort zone. I, I like all that. You know, you have to have an imagination because if not, 
you know, the nothing, whatever that is, uh, you know, in, in, in reality or in this, this world is going to take over and you're just going to become like a mindless zombie. And I think, like we're saying, this is very um, uh, uh, cognizant in the 80s, but now it's, it's very, uh, uh, in my opinion, very uh, topical. Sure. Or very, I, uh, the word I'm Yeah, like the message me is much is more relevant. Yeah, today. that's relevant. I'm sorry. Rel- it's so relevant for today with people with, um, you know, you, you go to a restaurant and there's a family and uh, no one's talking to each other. They're all like, you have a, a toddler who can't talk and, he's on an I- and he or she is on an iPad. And it's like, you know, everyone's on their phones. And it's like, you know, I think kids need to read books. They need to educate yeah, their mind to well, a certain extent. You know, it's, it's weird. That, that age-old discussion that we've had many times that it has to do with this is like what the PC. Like, what's PC? And, like, what's appropriate for kids? Um, I think that has to do with it. That's part of, like, the, the destruction of imagination. Yeah, Like, yeah. Fantasia's dying because of, like, what can we show kids? Like, yeah. we grew up at a time where fucking this and... E.T. and you know, Gremlins. Those, uh, and, yeah, all those you, movies. Uh, you know, Transformers the movie. <laughs> Transformers the movie. You know, uh, like we said, Crystal. Secret of Nim, Labyrinth to a certain extent, um, Time Bandits, those Terry Gilliam movies that you thought were children, but they're not. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a fucked up time. Yeah, you know, Temple of Doom. You know, there's child slavery. They're eating animals. They're t- ripping people's hearts out and, and, and like, satanic you know, rituals. I just think it's, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, I think. It just helps. It's shaped a, a, yeah, a, generation, a generation, which good for for better or for worse. I mean, I think at least that we our generation was imaginative. And, and you do know you think I mean? that is that this is a, a question for another podcast or another discussion entirely? But I wonder if that then for some people in our generation has begotten the helicopter parenting. They're so worried that this is going to happen. What happened to them is going to happen to their kids. That you have these parents who now have you know been so overbearing, and everybody needs a. a, a a prize or an award nobody's a loser that you know you have a culture of yeah, narcissistic and question, self because self like, i take the titles you know obviously i don't have kids so like you know i'm sure that you don't know about <laughs> there's uh you know they say that you know basically like a, a, a switch gets flexed once you have a kid and you have, have like this different kind of I mean, view on yeah. life and stuff but i don't know that was my always thing like, my brother or friends of mine that have kids I'm like, look we turned out all right you know, like, in fact, I think like, you know, we, you and I, and and like the other people I know, you know, I think we turn out better than okay. Yeah, there yeah. are a lot of really fucking big assholes out there. Tons <laughs> of big assholles. I, we counter, especially living in a metropolitan city like New York. I run into assholes every three feet, and it annoys the crap out of me. But you got to really just keep those you goggles know, we on. We had and, guns that looked like guns. That's a, you know, toy guns. I, and we ran around. I, this is not a conversation I wanted to have now, and, but this is, I, we lived in an era for all those people, and I think people who are under 35 to 30 that do not remember this, that we used to go to toy stores, and they were such things as gun aisles, where you'd go into a toy store, and there was an entire aisle of fake guns, and not only were there fake guns, these things looked like yeah. M1 carbine this rifles. This is pre, like, not not even just pre, like, wacky color gun, but yeah. pre red tip. Yeah, I mean, you had guns that were like pieces of wood that you had functional. Um, uh, you can, you know, pull back the the the, uh, the bolt action, <laughs> and you had a fake bullet in there that was like on a spring. So when you pull back the bolt, it looked like there was a bullet in it, and you can reload it, and then it would click. You had, you know, all kinds of weapons and like those those Uzi's, M1s. Uzis were big in the eighties. Uzis, you know, you have water guns that looked real. You had, you know, you you, you had battery op- operated stuff that when you turn it on, it would light up, and then even the slide would work. And you'd be like, 
And it's like that's all gone now because of the advent of, I mean, for either the right or wrong reasons that, you know, kids were getting hurt or kids couldn't take it. But, you know, even going back to, like, the turn of the century into, like, cowboys and Indians, you know, kids run around with, like, you know, you're a cowboy, you have, you know, two cap pistols, uh, revolvers on each hip, and then goes into the 60s and 70s where like we said dick tracy a couple weeks ago you had like a thompson that you would shoot that have like a little red thing that you'd see like it light up like you know yeah, and yeah. even to like the 80s like we're talking about where you had like a gun aisle and we we go home we you get like the my friend had the rambo gun and it was like a freaking beretta at the underneath <laughs> it had like a knife you yeah, know and it was yeah. like and it was the rambo issue gun and it's like that is gone now where you get like the you know the m1 that was camouflaged or whatever and those were and they come with a strap and that, then you could beat a kid to death with that because it was a real wooden gun with a wooden stock. And it's yeah. like, that's, so it's a completely different era. And it's so amazing. And I wonder if we're getting too philosophical, but we talk about, the, you know, a generation from, say, like 100 years ago now who's like in their 90s and they've seen the evolution of like going from the industrial evolution of boats. They've seen a car, they've seen the, the, an airplane, they've seen telephone, they've seen radio, they've seen television, then they've seen computer. Us, we were all analog. So we saw from a TV, we saw the internet, we saw, you know, from cassettes to CD, we saw from video games to computer. So we, there's an era, you know, like kids are not going to know what a rotary phone is or all that kind of stuff. Like we saw the end of, like when we're in our 70s and 80s and we're living in freaking like plastic houses and we're dressed in white and they're all <laughs> sterile environments and we're, you know, going around like, you know, yeah. on these like, you know, floating it's chairs. Like Woody Allen's the sleeper. Yeah, you know, are we going to remember a time where, you know, people like, what do you mean you had to, you know, do this or that? You had to go to a library and look at a card catalog or you had to do... You know, Already, I fear that we make references to things that people aren't going to get if people are younger than us. Yeah, really? Like the microfilm and microfiche references. Yeah, I mean, that was like, that was the area. You go, like we talked about in the Smoking the Bandit cast. I would go to the library, look up truck pictures and copy them on a photocopy or you do it with werewolves or whatever or but it's <laughs> yeah, like that's yeah. what you do and, you, and then you, you spend a dime and you take home a really shitty black and white <laughs> contrast <laughs> copy or whatever you lose in a day or two you staple it together you know yeah. and you could hardly even see the image you copied and it's like that was it you know or or i was in a as a child i was big in the titanic so like when they found it in 85 i went to the library and i looked up all that microfilm and i'm searching microfilm no, i love you know the I mean? microfilm and i can spend I hours about in there. The yeah i like looking at old and that's all gone now i mean it isn't you could probably still look at it it's on probably on you know a computer or whatever but yeah that whole you know this this is all it's so weird how all this stuff is gone so we lived in a time where PG was PG, but like we've talked about before, PG, you could see breasts in PG. Look at Excalibur. There's tits all over that movie. <laughs> you know, these movies here that are, that are it, we have animated movies that have killing and murdering and dogs and animals dying. And, you know, it's so, it, it was a beautiful era for whatever. And I think it's, like we've talked about, it kind of goes back to like the reason why there were those stories from the Grimm where it's like, you know, these are fucked up tales but they're kind of getting you ready to the real real world because sometimes the monsters do stray from the forest and come out on the prairie or the countryside and so kids have to know these stories of what happens yeah man that's part of our you know so uh life so yeah so the never-ending story um they did a stage version of it in 2004 um it was a stage ballet and opera uh which it looks like it was done in Ger germany um a ballet which is kind of cool uh television in 1995 they did an animated series called The Never-Ending Story, The Animated Adventures of Bastion Balthazar Books. Uh, it ran for two years, had a total of 20 episodes. I vaguely remember that in the mid-90s. Um, 
Tales of the Neverending Story. They did a one-season TV series loosely based on the book, uh, which was uh, done in Canada. That ran from 2000 to 2002. That might uh, be inter- that might be interesting to check out. It aired on HBO in 2002. It was uh, it on HBO. It aired as two four-hour television movies, and uh, in the UK it was thirteen one-hour episodes. It's a little weird. And it was released on DVD in 2001. And then the computer games, they had a uh, an Ocean Software in 1985 game for the Z oh, X Spectrum. Been, that would have been awesome. They had a, a, a CPC Commodore 64 and an Atari 800 game. They had they, in 1990. They did I imagine another. it's like the like oh, you you're not as uh, you don't have a fun uh, nostalgia for the for big as I do, but he plays. When Tom Hanks is little yeah. and big, it opens when he's playing like some wizard video game. Yeah, I yeah. imagine it must be on a like, computer, like, like <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, the wizard has shown. Yeah, it's like all like text, and you're like, yeah. yes, if you want to, could do this. Yeah, and then they did another computer game for the second film in 1990, which was re-released for System Four and ZX Spectrum and Commodore 64s. So, uh, yeah, and then they, then lastly in, in two, 2001, they, a video, a German video game studio uh, did one called uh, Urion Quest, which I guess is based off the Urion is the symbol, the, the, uh, the um, thing. So uh, let's see. Uh, any other things we forgot about? Um, lastly, they say on eBay, if you look, somebody claims to have the original prop book that he uses in the movie, for, uh, uh, the never-ending story. And, and this guy's put it on twice on eBay. He's put it on once in 2012 for 75000 and then that never sold. And then he put it on again for... Twenty-eight five. That didn't sell either. So uh, you know, uh, he even tracked down uh, Noah Hathaway, who played Atreyu, and got him to pose with it on eBay. So if you guys uh, want to do some research, maybe you can find and get this darn um this darn uh book and, so, and and donate it to the Saturday yeah, Night Music to, Sleeper Archive to our archives. <laughs> we have a pretty sweet archive, and we talked about the song being a hit and, and all over the world and all that. And I just it's again it it, it it's mind boggling. I'm not passing judgment i'm just just you know bringing um bringing it up that i, I can't see this movie without that and soundtrack. also that documentary that i was talking about that's on uh on youtube the one the german documentary they have the interview with the author where he just like sits there and trashes the movie yeah, he didn't, he really like three like minutes. Um, so what do you think uh sleepover buckets of pizzas oh i'd say this is a good four buckets of pizza yeah a lot of pizza. i really enjoyed it man yeah four I, to five like i said it was uh it was a pleasant surprise. And definitely yeah. like nostalgia. Like this was never held up. Yeah, and you it know? was like it held up well. I remember it was definitely like taking me back to a much uh, easier time. I do yeah. remember. I do remember seeing it for the first time, and uh, always loved it. But I don't know. I never like owned it on video. We, like we didn't own videos until like the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like we didn't own unless you taped it off a of TV, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I didn't have it taped off a of TV, but. Um, so this was never like hardcore one of my movies, but always a movie that I look back on fondly, and it was really fun to watch it now and have it hold up. And and like we said earlier with the effects, I mean, sure it doesn't have like the big budget Hollywood effects behind it, but the effects are cool, man. Yeah, yeah. it's another one of those movies that really, you know, it's so great that we have them to look back on and kind of like. Yeah, especially since to like preserve so that people the, the pre digital age, you know. Yeah. And it's it's come on, you, the practical effect, the practical effects hold up. 
and then you know they're, they're practically killing the kids with some of these <laughs> effects, you know, because they're going wrong. Like yeah. with the, with you the, know, they actually like hold up even better than I thought they would. Well, that's the, I think the ple- pleasant surprise for me with this is that it holds up, and we've talked a lot about the pacing, but also that my heartstrings were pulled. You know, with the yeah. whole scene with Artex and then the whole scene with the wolf at the end, and the, like I said, the scenes with the oracles. It's like it, it all worked again for me, and it's yeah. kind of like I had not seen it for so long, and I think it's probably the same story as you where I had seen it so much as a kid but I never owned it yeah. so I must have went over people's houses or I viewed it enough and then probably guy was on yeah HBO, uh, HBO or, or even maybe on like you know regular TV on a weekend you'd see it and you try to figure out what he's saying you know then I'm sure they played the shit out of it like on a Saturday or Sunday after yeah, a yeah. rainy day you know and then that's how most recently, um, before I was married, I was over a girlfriend's house on a Sunday afternoon in bed, and she had a TV in her room. We turned it on, and they had on Never Any Story 3, and that's where it's like Jack Black's in it. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is this? And never, then I hit the menu, and like, Never Any Story 3, and they're like in a mall, and they're, he's running around with a bunch of kids, and they're like punks, and it's like, where the hell's the Fantasia aspect of all this? So yeah. I never, But I never watched it, and i never seen the second one. Yeah, so maybe that's something to do next year. Yeah. You know? Uh, like, you know, we're thinking of doing sequels this year for this summer coming out. But me, I yeah, four out of five, I think. Maybe 4.5 out of five just yeah. because it was, it good, was great. Uh, if I think of a recommendation, I would also, uh, <laughs> if you guys can hear those those horns outside, uh, there's a lot going on outside Blake's mom's house. A lot of people getting up in the morning trying well, to get to work. There's a big traffic jam outside trying to get the, the church, house. Trying to get to the church. Um, church on time. Yeah, it's loud. Um, but sometimes when we play this back, you can never hear that. So yeah. somebody's just making reference. To the what the fuck are they talking about? Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of horns outside. But anyway, uh, I would say if we were to recommend stuff, I would think maybe like lab anything this movie, time yeah, labyrinth the stuff, the fan- you know, all that stuff in the '80s era. I think labyrinth. This would be an awesome double feature you know, with labyrinth. Or even I was thinking last night I had a triple feature. Like you can even go darker and even do maybe like. Um, if you want to get dark, you start off with Labyrinth, which is Labyrinth, which is kind of light. Then you get into this one, which is kind of halfway there. And then at the end, you kind of do. Um, uh, uh, gee, this is really loud. If you guys can hear that now, <laughs> that's wow. Um, the last one to be like Time Bandits. You know what I mean? Like you want to get dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like some kind of crazy shit like that, or even like Dark Crystal, which is another one which. Yeah. out there I'd say know? yeah I mean I think Labyrinth is the is like the the best one to go for but even if you wanted to go even the, you know, there was also a great uh, I mean like Princess Bride would have been fun yeah, book yeah. related um, or, although that I think that's harder for kids to watch I mean it's 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 a kids movie but yeah. I think this one certainly because you have the young kid for the people to identify with certainly yeah you know and I don't know I haven't seen uh, Princess Bride in 20 or so years so I don't know is it that meta where you, you and know, a movie that I like a lot is uh, Dragon Slayer. I've never seen Dragon Slayer. I mean, it's not a kid. He's supposed to be like a young guy, but he's, he's not really. <laughs> yeah, there's young a couple of those, aren't there? But it's, uh, you know, I, I big drag, big dragon puppet thing. Yeah. I mean, it's I get that mixed up with Flash Gordon. You it's know, that less, kind of it's <laughs> less of a kids movie, but that would be a fun one just to juxtapose because it's that same era, same like. The effects and the and the, a lot of the you know the the blue screen you know composite type shots yeah. the big dragon you know monster thing it would be that a whole monster. that whole era of like like uh, Beastmaster or like Dune yeah all those really really weird out like I just said like Flash Gordon those sci fi fantasy movies are just so they're all like just 
it was an amalgam weird, of one. It was thing a weird time, and this is no. like a perfect little nugget. Of, yeah, like never-ending stories, like this perfect yeah. little time capsule. It's, and it's always going. You know, it's it's amazing, and that's that's you think about again. We talk about all the. The, the hot shit that came out the summer of 84 with, like, Terminator, Karate Kid Part 2. I, I think Too bad we've already done so many, because yeah. I was going to suggest, like, one summer, not this summer, but we to do, like, a summer where we just do... As they were released? We do, like, the, we do summer of 84. Wow. And we do, like, every uh, week. We every, then people want us to do, when are you going to do 85 or 86, you know? <laughs> also, kind of like Master Universe is kind of, like, in this realm. Oh, yeah, action, Master you know? Universe would be a fun one, Another, too. That's, that's certainly, certainly something we, we'll we're going to get to that yeah. one. Because we, we've been talking about that one since... Since the since, since the inception of the yeah, show, so it's a, there's a lot of stuff that almo- it almost was our first episode. And I don't want to pat ourselves on the back. Uh, oh yeah, because we had Dolph Lundgren. That's a good you know for the first one was the Punisher from the yeah. seven movie. I don't want or eighty nine. I don't want to pat ourselves on the back. We have a pretty qu- crazy lineup coming up this summer, so that's going to be some crazy yeah, movies, yeah. some fun in. stuff. Through some uh, got a little niche stuff. So yeah, um, we loved it. This is great. You know, if you haven't seen it, Jesus, go see it. Or if you go have your kids go see it now. See it again if you yeah. haven't seen it in a while. Because uh, it really was fond memories for us. And um, uh, yeah, check us out again. Uh, wrapping this up, check us out on Facebook. We have a great Facebook page. Uh, you know, please uh, like us, and uh, you know, you can message us. We talk. You can share our stuff. Uh, we have a Twitter page. Yeah. We get a lot of we get a lot of messages of people sharing. Yeah, memories and stuff. Yeah, memories fun. about movies. Yeah, and it's kind of fun. Yeah, for us to, you know, to even like that. video store stuff or just they, people be like, "Hey, you talked about say Dick Tracy. Oh, I, yeah, remember I remember this, remember I had and, this that. That. and then it's like that's so cool that we're people just want to share. Our listeners want to share their memories with us, and then like. You know, we put up pictures and people talk about this. We're and cramming our memories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, so, um, and check us out on um, Twitter. We're at Sat Sleepovers on Twitter. You can uh, retweet us and follow us there. Uh, we have our regular page we like to direct people to because um, we have a lot of extras that we try to put up, which some stuff is exclusives from the uh, yeah. Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers archive, or it's stuff that we think maybe just like further reading. The links or, to things yeah, to that, watch or to read, that, that, et cetera, uh, et cetera. And, uh, you know, we have a, all that kind of stuff going on. Uh, like we said, Facebook and all that. Just, just, you know, just check us out and, you know, patronize our site. We're on iTunes. We're on all the different... Uh, Player FM, we're on all the different Keep podcasts. an eye out for my book, Scored to Death, Conversations with Some of Horror's Greatest Composers. Yeah, that's coming out coming soon. Coming out soon, shortly, a couple you, of months. And you have your own uh, Facebook page. There's a Facebook page Scored and a death. Twitter account, yeah. Scored to Death, if you want to join. So, so go check that out and like it if you like. Retweet that, share that. Uh, you know, you'll see a lot of those postings coming up on Saturday Movie Sleepovers. And yeah, and, if, and like like we do, we take recommendations too. We do have a high stack of movies. I know. You know, get a lot, VHS, of rec- a lot of recommendations, which is great in. because we've we've solicited them. But the, the the issue is just that you know we have and to get around done, to we've, them all. We've done a few, you know. And some people are like, when are you going to get around to this or that? And it's like you know we're gonna, but it's just so many movies and so little time. So you little know, time. you know, it's 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 a shame we have to have day jobs. You know, if we didn't, we'd do this all the freaking time. I know. If we could figure out how to monetize this, yeah, they'd, they'd we'd be, be turning one out of these a day. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that, that, that'd be it. Come into the office and just record this damn thing. So, thank you very much. We th- hope you had a good time. And, like, you know, I can just I can hear that never-ending story music going in the background and just going on the cycles. Turn around. That's how it's just, you know. So, keep listening. We'll see you in two weeks. And, um, hey, it's getting warm out there. So, happy spring. Later. Later.